there for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off. And tonight we are previewing races at Darlington Raceway as well as Lebanon I-44 Speedway. Uh, so joining us for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, glad to be here again Getting ready for another big weekend. Cup Series starting their playoffs. The other series getting that ever little bit so closer. Find out uh, who's going to be in and out as we come up on their start to the playoffs. So, big weekend of racing at Darlington. The track too tough to tame. And it's the throwback weekend. You always got to love that. Oh, that's always a fun weekend and uh, something I look forward to every year. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to talking about uh, those races coming up here on Fan for Racing Radio. And uh, just to give you an overview of our plans for tonight, during our first half hour, we'll review, uh, preview, I mean, the Arkham Menard Series at Lebanon I-44 Speedway. And we'll give a few updates from the Arca East and the West. Uh, at 9 o'clock, we'll get into the NASCAR Truck Series race at Darlington Raceway. And then at uh, about 9.20, we'll get into the NASCAR Xfinity race. And at about 9.40, we'll talk about the NASCAR Cup Series race at Darlington Raceway. 10 o'clock, of course, is Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew. And it sounds like Andy will definitely be here and uh, definitely looking forward to that. Just a quick programming note. Next Thursday night, there is a race on Thursday night. Uh, It is for the Truck Series at Richmond, and it starts at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, which means that that's right during our normal time for our Fan for Racing preview show. So we're going to do the show as a podcast again, Jay. Uh, We're going to meet earlier in the day and uh, put together the podcast along with our Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. And it sounds like both Mike and Andy will be there for that. And uh, we'll put that out as a podcast on Thursday afternoon uh, before that race on Thursday night so that fans can hear our preview of those races. So uh, just look for us to come out as a podcast on Thursday uh, so that we don't interfere with the race on Thursday night. Okay, uh, also, Monday night is uh, the Memor- the uh, Labor Day holiday, so we are doing the show on Tuesday night, and Jay is going to be our co-host on Tuesday night, and our guest at 9 p.m. Eastern is Joe Graff, Jr., so uh, definitely looking forward to a good show on Tuesday night uh, this week, next week as well. So with that, Jay, let's go ahead and get into our Arkham Menard Series uh, preview uh, at Lebanon Speedway, uh, I-54 Speedway. So uh, that is a return to that track. We haven't been there in a while. So uh, Michael Self is hoping to do a repeat, though, because he has raced there before. That's right. In the season to change, around 14 of the 2020 Arc Menard season, we'll see the series head to a new venue uh, that was not only not on the original schedule, but it'll host its inaugural series event. But not all the Arc Menard series drivers are unfamiliar with Lebanon I-44 Speedway. It's a .375-mile banked oval that will host the Zinzer Smart Coat 200 Saturday night 
uh, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern. But in fact, the Arkham Menard Series Championship points leader, Michael Self, has not only raced there, he's won there. And this will also be round number eight of the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown. So another factor to play in there as we look at that. We'll take a look at those points uh, when we come to it. Yes, it's important to also point that the Zinzer Smart Coat 200 uh, will be on Saturday, September the 5th, and will be televised on MAV-TV, as well as live streaming available for TrackPath members on NBC Gold. And they can do that live streaming live uh, throughout that race. So that's going to be pretty cool. Now, the the guys will, will have, uh, guys and gals, will have practice uh, at 4.45 local time, and they'll also have qualifying at 6 p.m. local time. So uh, these guys will be uh, able to uh, have practice as well as qualifying for this particular race. But let's talk a little bit more about Michael Self, Jay. Well, the box score shows that Self won that race back in 2013, a few years back. It was his third straight West win, coming off a win on a road course at Minnesota's Brainerd Raceway and a breakthrough victory at Iowa Speedway. It was anything but easy as Self spun midway through the race and then came back to make a three-wide pass in those closing laps that saw the two race leaders spin and set up an overtime finish. Self pulled away for the West Series event there under, at that time again, the NASCAR banner in 2013. Now, much has changed in the ensuing seven years, and Self will face to face a stacked deck if he's going to repeat that feat this weekend. He got that road course win two years ago, but is now coming off one of his worst finishes two in the last two ago. Arkham Menards. I'm sorry, two you races two ago. Yep, uh, two races ago, but is coming off one of his worst finishes in the last two Arkham Menards seasons. He spun into the wall there at uh, WWT Raceway at Gateway and again watched his top challenger, Brett Holmes, narrow that points lead yet again. I believe it's down to seven now. So with the yeah. high bank short track also being under the Sioux Chief Showdown event, this field will include Ty Gibbs, Sam Mayer, and Chandler Smith, who have combined to win 11 of 12 Arkham Menards and Arkham Menards East events outside of the Super Speedway events at Daytona, Talladega, and Michigan. The only outlier was Self's win over Gibbs and Mayer on the Daytona road course. Now, Smith finished second at Gateway to regain the Sioux Chief Championship lead by two points over Mayer and four over Gibbs, and will look to end a career-long five-race winless streak. Now, throwing a change on it from how the 2020 season has gone into the proceedings, the field will be set by... Uh, qualifying, and Sharon mentioned that, and that 45-minute um, practice session. Okay, didn't leave me too much there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess I'll go in uh, to the other uh, points of the show. Uh, the Zinzer Smart Coat 200, uh, the qualifying field uh, will go through the qualifying process, as we mentioned, and uh, there'll be two consecutive qualifying laps. The faster lap determines the qualifying position. 
Adjustments or repairs may not be made on the vehicle after the vehicle has taken the green flag at the start finish line. And vehicles will be impounded after qualifying. A vehicle must qualify on race setup. Now, for the pit stops, there's no adding or moving tires to or from the pit box once the race has started, and a maximum of four crew members may service the car. No tires or fuel can be added outside of the brake. The Zinzer Smart Coat 200 will be 200 laps or 75 miles, and it will be run in three segments. The race will have a first break at or near the conclusion of lap 75 and a second break at or near the conclusion of lap 150. At the conclusion of the breaks, vehicles will line up in the order that they were running at the beginning of the break. And per the ARCA rulebook, the maximum number of tires that will be allowed in the pit box for use in this race is only six. So uh, that should make it interesting, Jay. Well, and I'm excited, and I know obviously they have race there, but to see uh, new tracks, again, under this COVID situation, uh, had to make some adaptations. This is one I think is a bonus coming out of this situation that we get to return to a track like that and these Arkham Menard Series drivers, again, some of them never having experience on it. So that's always a good thing. I always find the positive in things. Correct. Now, there are 14 drivers that are entered for this race on uh, on uh, Saturday, September the 5th. Uh, we'll go from the bottom up if you want and go two at a time. Uh, on in 14th, or actually it's not, this isn't the race lineup, it's simply the entry list. Driving the number 48 car is Brad Smith for his own race team. Uh, he'll be driving a Chevrolet with Carl Brown on top of his uh, pit box. And driving the number 25, of course, is Michael Self for Venturini Motorsports Toyota with Kevin Reed on the pit box for Sinclair Lubricant. All right. Then you got a, the a second, uh, talked about second place championship contender, the 23. That'll be Brett Holmes with the Stacy Holmes own machine. Shane Huffman crew chiefing for that Chevrolet. And then you got the legendary Paul Andrews crew chief in the Ford, the number 22 Ford of Chad Bryant Racing, which will have Chris Wright behind the wheel once again. Okay, and the number 21 Ford GMS Racing Chevrolet is uh, Sam Mayer with Marty Lindley on the pit box, and Billy Venturini will be on the pit box for Chandler Smith in the number 20 car for Venturini Motorsports. All right, we mentioned Ty Gibbs coming in with the uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, Coy Gibbs' own number 18 with Mark McFarland on the box for that Toyota. And the 17 Ford of David Gillen, that'll be Taylor Gray with Blake Brainridge in his ear. Okay. Driving the number 15 for Venturini Motorsports will be Drew Dollar, and uh, his crew chief is Shannon Roersch. And in the number 12 for Mike Basham is Mike Basham for the Hillenburg uh, Toyota with Mike Stroff as the crew chief. The number 11 uh, Andy Hillenburg machine is a Toyota. That'll be driven by Owen Smith with Trey Galgon as the crew chief. And we don't have a driver listed yet in the number 10 Andy Hillenburg Chevrolet, but we do know that Tim Monroe will be the crew chief. Okay, and in the number six is uh, 
Ottawa, Illinois driver Tim Richmond for Wayne Peterson Racing, driving the Toyota with Brad Fry on top of the pit box. And Seth Smith will be crew chiefing the David Gilliland car for Haley Deegan in the number four. So uh, a lot to look forward to with these 14 drivers all racing at Lebanon I-44 Speedway on Saturday. Uh, Taking a review of the series point standings, uh, you're right. The points battle has tightened up again between Michael Suff and Brett Holmes with just seven points separating them. Well, and again, you know, Michael had stretched it back out just a little bit. I believe it was up to 25, now back to seven. And coming to a short track, we're going to see a couple different battles. Those two obviously battling for the championships. Um, and we'll get to the Sioux Chief showdown points here in a minute. But within the main series, Michael Self leading over by seven points over Brett Holmes. Third place is Drew Dollar at minus 49. Haley Deegan at minus 51. So there's another close battle as they battle for third and fourth and hopefully be able to try and close in maybe a little bit and get into the uh, top position points battle. Then in fifth, uh, with only 12 starts versus 13, is Thad Moffitt. He's 122 back. Ty Gibbs, with only nine starts, is back at 232 points. But in those nine starts, Jen mentioned, has four wins, seven top fives, and eight top tens. Rounding out the top 10, again with 12 starts, as Brad Smith is 248 points back. Sam Mayer, another one with only nine starts, but two wins, eight top fives and eight top tens. He's 254 back. Chandler Smith with eight starts, two wins, six top fives and seven top tens, 284 back. Ryan Huff in that 10th spot is 366 points back. He's only had seven starts. Okay, and the thing that I always like to look at, Jay, are the average start and average finishes for these drivers, and uh, again, they've got quite a few races under their belt. Uh, What's really impressive with Ty Gibbs is he's only raced nine of the 13 races in this series. He has an average start of 2.9 with an average finish of 4.0, and that betters most of the drivers that have uh, been racing the full schedule. Michael Self is at 4.9 on his average start. His average, I'm sorry, 4.9 on his average finish with an average start of 2.8. And uh, Brett Holmes has an average finish of 5.2 uh, with an average start at 7.0. So uh, these guys are looking pretty darn good. Chandler Smith, he only has eight starts. His average uh Start is at 1.9 with an average finish of 4.0. So pretty impressive what these guys are doing, even the part-time drivers. They are. We talked about that as far as they're contending for that Sioux Chief showdown. We mentioned Chandler Smith has retaken that points lead. Again, does have the two victories to start the season, the first two races, um, but been very solid all the way throughout, sitting at 278 points. Sam Mayer picked up two wins in the middle, and aside from his opening race, has been in the 42, 42, 43, 41-point range, sitting at 276. Ty Gibbs at 274. He only has one win. I'm sorry, no, that was his second one there at uh, Gateway, so that Mm -hmm. gives him his second win. Uh, Michael Self in fourth at 267. 
only has the one victory coming at the Daytona International Speedway on that road course. Now here, Brett Holmes, not in the win category in any of the showdown races, is at 262. So there's 16 points from top to bottom, or from first to fifth, when we talk about the top contending drivers. Haley Deegan is the next one at 251 um, before there's a bigger drop-off with guys that haven't run all the races. Okay. So, uh, you know, a couple of competitions going on here, and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing how this one works out. So who who's your driver to win this weekend at Lebanon, Jay? Man, again, it just talked about four or five different drivers that you really got to gotta look at. Uh, being that he's been shut out so far as far as the last couple, I'm going to go with Sam Mayer. Okay. Uh I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the, the edge to uh Michael Self in that number twenty five for Venturing in Motorsports. Uh we'll see if he can make it a back to back win there at uh at Lebanon Speedway, although it wasn't a different series. Uh, it's going to be fun to see what he is able to do. Now, some upcoming races here. We talked about the Zinzer Smart Coat 200. Uh, the Arkham Menard Series East is racing at Toledo Speedway on September the 12th, so watch for that race to be coming up. Also, the Arca West is racing uh, on October the 10th, uh, and this is Pacific time, so 6.45 p.m. Pacific time, that's 9.45 Eastern. That's at All-American Speedway again. And, uh, again, the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, is happening this weekend with the Arkham Menard Series race at Lebanon. Again, that race starts at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, let's go over the series point standings for the West and then the East, Jay, real quick. All right, if you want to start with them, let me see if I can pull those up. Those are the ones I have a tough time. I don't know why my computer doesn't like this. Uh, okay, see. I'll start which with one the do you want, Which one do you want to start with? I'm going to start with the West. Uh, okay. I've got Jesse Love. Again, this is just a seven-point difference between him and Blaine Perkins, and this is kind of a traditional thing that goes on between the Bill McAnally Racing Team and the Sunrise Ford Racing Team. Uh, it's been one of those two teams that have won the championship over the last uh, few years. So it looks like it's another battle because when you look at the rest of the drivers in the top five here, or at least the top four, you've got uh, uh, Gracie Trotter, a Bill McAnally, driving, uh, Bill McAnally Racing Team in third, and Trevor Huddleston, the Sunrise Ford Team, uh, driver in fourth place. Geo Scalzi, uh, actually in fifth place, is from uh, Bill McAnally Racing. So that top five is pretty loaded uh, between uh, Bill McAnally Racing and Sunrise Ford Racing. Well, seven appears to be the number right now, anyway. Two series here as we go into their next race separated by seven points between first and second. So like to see that as far as close competition up front and a slide over, or actually I got this one pulled up rounding out the top 10 there for the uh, West Todd Souza's back 57 points. Holly, Holly Holland, uh, minus 66. Let's talk about Takuma Koga is having a good year, uh, especially as compared to previous seasons for himself. But again, so many stacked teams at the top 
He's sitting seventh in points, minus seventy-nine. But he does have four top tens in those seven starts. And then the final two have Bobby Hillis Jr. Uh, the other one with seven, or the final one with the full seven starts at minus eighty-seven. Jack Wood doing what he can in his limited starts, five starts, one top five, four top tens, is 133 back. All right. Uh, in the Arkham and Art Series East, uh, the race is between Sam Mayer, uh, who is 13 points ahead of Ty Gibbs. So this is a competition between uh, Sam Mayer with GMS Racing and Ty Gibbs with Joe Gibbs Racing. In third place uh, is uh, Chase Cabray with Rev Racing. Then you've got Parker Retzlap in fourth place and another Rev Racing driver, Nick Sanchez, in fifth place. So a few more teams involved there. But, uh, again, there's some tight battles beyond first and second place if you want to do the next five, Jay. Actually, go ahead and continue there. Uh, I accidentally shut down the, the east side instead of the west side. So. Oh, okay. Max McLaughlin is in sixth place. He's just one point behind Nick Sanchez. Then you've got Mason Diaz in that seventh place spot. Justin Carroll in eighth. Corey Heim in ninth. And Giovanni Bramante is in tenth place for the Arkham and Art Series East. 66 points from top to bottom in the top 10. Uh, most of those drivers uh, through eight have uh, raced in three of the three races they've had, uh, but a couple of those drivers, uh, Corey Heim and Giovanni Bermonti, have only been in two of those three races. So it's going to be interesting. They're coming up uh, on a race here at Toledo. It's going to be interesting to see what these guys can do. Well, and we don't have the entry list there for that one yet, but the 11th spot, Taylor Gray, another one with only two starts at minus 67, so only one point outside the top 10 and still within that window. Again, over three races, you're talking 67 points. Uh, still within reach, but they got to get through those top teams. And here on the east side, uh, we're not talking about a two-team battle as far as back and forth with multiple cars. you got uh, GMS Racing, Gibbs Racing, Rev Racing, and uh, Hattori Racing all there in the top seven. So that one's a little more spread out amongst teams, which I, I kind of like to see. Yes, I do too. It's uh, uh, pretty nice that uh, we're able to see that here in this Arkham and Art Series East. So, Jay, we've got a few minutes here. Let's do a quick update uh, with the Truck Series and our uh, Fan for Racing Fantasy group here. All right. For the Truck Series, uh, going into picks, so far we only have your pick of Greg Biffle, you got to jump uh, right on top of that one. Let me see if I can find my points here. Um, I messaged James. I know he's been been really busy, so he try. He said he'd try and get him to me uh, as soon as he can tonight. I don't know if I'll have him before the show ends, but waiting on his picks to to round out the uh, the race picks. But for the points in the truck series, again for the truck series, this is our tightest points battle. Andy is at fifty four. Again, a little bit of a shakeup this weekend. Sam closed up to 48. Third place is Sharon at 41. Owen is at 40. I'm at 36. And Mike is at 31. So that one's uh, 23 points 
difference between us. Again, Mike lost a little bit of ground, but the lead itself actually closed up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, since we've got time here, let's go ahead and do the Xfinity and Cup Series as well. Okay, we'll get them all knocked out. Uh, Xfinity Series, uh, that one I think we got five of the seven. Uh, Sam started us off. Again, top two drivers here at Darlington. Austin Sindrick went to Sam. Chase Briscoe went to Sharon. Uh, Ross Chastain was picked up by Mike a little early, but not a bad pick, obviously. He was a little upset. He said he didn't look through the whole entry list. Andy then picked up Denny Hamlin, who's making an Xfinity Series start. Uh, good or bad, I know last week it saved me by not having him, but I went back to my uh, go-to guy in Noah Gregson, so hopefully he got that uh, bad finish out of the way, and I'll pick him up for the good week. And then James and Owen are yet to pick. As I get them, if I do get them uh, here tonight, I'll pass them along. The Xfinity Series, this one, Andy, is, again, your point leader, but by a little bit bigger margin. He's got 86 points. Uh, I'm at 73, so there's a 13-point gap there just at the top. Owen is third at 66. Sharon's fourth at 63. Then you got Mike. Nope, James at 56. Mike at 53. And Sam at 51. He's had a little bit of a rough run here in the Xfinity Series. Okay. And on the cup side, let's see what we got there. We've got a couple picks in here. Um, Andy started that one off with, again, you two, uh, Andy and Sharon got the top two picks. So Andy went Kevin Harvick. Sharon went Denny Hamlin. Mike went to his, uh, his boy, Chase Elliott. And those are the three we got in so far there. And this one, Andy does not lead. I lead this one. Jay, I got 119. Andy's at 100. Got a couple people coming up on the 100-point mark with him. Sam's at 90. Owen at 87. And we've got Sharon at 79. James at 72. And Mike at 66. And for the overall, that puts Andy at a total of 240. Myself at 228. And Owen's now at 193. Sam at 189. Sharon at 183. And who did I miss there? Mike's at 150. Um, James at 166. And Mike at 150. And I can give one update. Actually, I can give all three here. James came in with Algeyer for the Xfinity Series. Sheldon Creed for the trucks. Well, that's a bummer. Um, <laughs> and Martin Truex on the cup side. Okay, I'm just writing these down. MTJ. And who did he take for trucks? Uh, Sheldon Creed. The hot shoe right now. Exactly. Okay. So there you have it. Okay, so now it is Andy that's up for the Truck Series, Owen for the Xfinity Series, and Jay, no, Owen again for the Cup Series. So I'm going to try to send a text message to Owen during the show here, but uh, uh, just in case, uh, I might have to uh, do that afterwards. Okay. All right. Uh, it's, time, it's time for us to go ahead and move on to the uh, Truck Series uh, review preview. 
And uh, the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series is racing the South Carolina Education Lottery 200 this weekend at Darlington Raceway. That race will take place on Sunday, September the 6th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. At 1.30 p.m. Eastern, Fox Sports 1 will carry their pre-race information as well as MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 200.1 miles over 147 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 45, stage 2 on lap 90, and the last stage ends on the last lap. Lap 147. So uh, with that, Jay, let's go ahead and move on uh, to our review for this NASCAR Gander uh, RV and Outdoor Truck Series and the Sunoco Rookie picture. All right. When we take a look at the uh, rookies, it's really a pair of rookies. Zane Smith, who is locked in now with a pair of wins, and Christian Eckes, who's sitting in eighth in the playoff grid standings, are poised to advance to the playoffs when the regular season ends. Here we got two races to go before they start their playoffs. Now, Smith continues to hold the top spot in the Gander Truck Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings with a 50-point lead over Eckes. But outside the playoff bubble holds several Sunoco rookies looking to vault into the playoffs in their debut year here in the Gander Trucks. Derek Krause, third in the rookie standings, Sunoco Rookie standings, and Tanner Gray, who's fourth, are just outside the playoff bubble in 11th and 12th, uh, respectively. Krause sits just 13 points behind Todd Gillen, which is the final spot of 10th, while Gray is currently 68 points out on the grid. And we've seen some great races out of him here lately. Raphael Lassard is fifth in the rookie standings, and he's 13th on the grid as far as points. Okay, now when we talk about Darlington Speedway this weekend, it's all about the throwback weekend. And in the case of the Truck Series, that means some former NASCAR drivers are returning uh, to race in the trucks. That includes Trevor Bain, Greg Biffle, and David Reagan are all set to return to the track for the first time this season as a suit-up for this week's weekend South Carolina Education Lottery 200. Now, Bain returns for the first time since last competing at Texas in the NASCAR Cup Series in the fall of 2018. He'll be racing in the number 40 for Nice Motorsports Chevrolet. The 2011 Daytona 500 champion is making his debut in the Gander Truck Series, but he does have some experience at Darlington. He's run a trio of Cup Series races and has run three Xfinity Series races there with a best finish of ninth in 2014. Moving on to Biffle, he returned to the Gander Truck Series last year for a single start for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and that's when he won the Triple Truck Challenge bonus for his Toyota team at Texas Motor Speedway. Now, this time he's running the number 24 Chevrolet for GMS Racing. Although he doesn't have any Gander Truck Series experience at Darlington, uh, Biffle does know his way around the track. In 16 cup starts at the track, too tough to tame, he has a pair of wins. That is in 2005 and again in 2006. He also has three top five and six top ten results. He also has a win in 2004 in 11 NASCAR Xfinity Series starts at Darlington. 
David Reagan's going to be in the number 17 DGR Crosley Ford this weekend at Darlington. He has 29 Gander Truck Series starts from 2004 to 2006. None, however, at Darlington. In 13 Cup starts at, the, at Darlington, Reagan has posted uh, a top five in 2008 and a fifth place finish. He has a trio of Xfinity Series starts with a best finish of 13th in 2008. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing all three of those, those drivers on the track in a truck at Darlington Raceway this weekend. Yes, those are some great names to see back in any uh, form of racing, but specifically here within the truck series. So, yes, indeed. well, Sharon, if you want, I'll take this whole uh, whole section here on uh, Darlington Raceway clinch scenarios. If you want to try and message Owen there, and I'll go ahead and knock this whole block out as we got a historic wild card situation going on. One of the okay. most difficult. One of the most difficult things for drivers and teams to navigate in NASCAR is the unknown. And this weekend, majority of the field has never raced at the track too tough to tame. Darlington Raceway making it an ultimate wild card for the drivers that are trying to make the playoffs. Now, five drivers have already clinched a spot in the 10-driver NASCAR Gander and RV Outdoor Truck Series postseason field. That includes Austin Hill, Zane Smith, Sheldon Creed, Matt Crafton, and Grant Infinger. So we'll start with ones that can clinch via. If there is a new winner, the following drivers would clinch by being 56 points above the fourth winless driver in the standings. That would include Brett Moffitt, who can clinch with uh, seven points at Darlington. Ben Rhodes can clinch in a playoff spot with 41 points. And Christian Eckes, he would need 52 points. Now, again, that's if there is a new winner. If there is a repeat winner, then they could clinch with 56 points above the fifth winless driver, and they would also clinch if there was a new winner among, amongst Brett Moffitt, Ben Rhodes, Christian Eckes, or Tyler Ankrum, and being 56 points above the fourth. So there, Moffitt would need three points. Ben Rhodes could clinch with 37 points. Christian Eckes, 48 points. And then Tyler Ankrum. Now, he can only clinch a spot in the playoffs with a little more help. Obviously, the drivers that could clinch on their win alone, Brett Moffitt, Ben Rhodes, Christian Eckes, Tyler Ankrum, Todd Gillen, Derek Krause, Tanner Gray, Raphael Lassard, Stuart Friesen, Johnny Sauter, or Ty Majeski. The following drivers could get a win and clinching a top 20 position Austin Austin Wayne Self could only do it with a little bit of help, as well as Tate Fogelman. Spencer Boyd and Jordan Anderson are also in that same category. They can only clinch with a little bit of help. Now, additionally, Austin Hill could clinch the regular season championship by being 61 points above the second-place driver in the standings, which, again, would require a little bit of help here as we head into Darlington. We'll give you a rundown here on the points right now. Set up kind of in the playoff format already. Sheldon Creed has three wins and is at 40, 475 points. Zane Smith has 521 points, but only has the two wins. And that's set based off of playoff points. I'll scroll over to that as well. Uh, with those three wins, Sheldon Creed would have 19 playoff points. Zane Smith, 14. 
At 422 points is Grant Enfinger, has two wins for 11 playoff points. Austin Hill, 549, seven playoff points. Matt Crafton, with the one win, has only the five playoff points. Now, Brett Moffitt, first driver without a win, does have those four playoff points, so that puts him at the top of the board there of drivers without a win. Then you have, and he's at 516 points. Then you have Ben Rhodes at 483, no playoff points yet. Christian Eckes is at 471 with no playoff points. Tyler Ankrum, 413. Todd Gillen, 411. Now, Todd Gillen does have two playoff points, so once he locks himself into the playoffs, those will come into play. Then that was the top 10, so that's where the cutoff line is, is at 411. Derek Krause mentioned 13 back is at 398. Tanner Gray at 342. Raphael Lassard in 13th at 338. Stuart Friesen at 314. And then Johnny Sauter having an extremely rough year is at 312. So he's a little less 90, looks like 99 points out. Now he does have one stage win for one playoff point. So if he can get in, that will help him out. But those bottom three at least are really looking at deep at needing a win here in the next two races. Okay. Uh, now, the Truck Series hasn't been racing at Darlington Raceway uh, since 2011. So they're back this weekend uh, because the schedule had to be realigned this year uh, following the COVID-19 pandemic interruption in competition. So on the original version of the 2020 schedule, the Gander Trucks should have been at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park this weekend. However, because of restrictions due to the pandemic, uh, it's impossible to race north of the border. And the race was realigned to Darlington Raceway to bring all three of NASCAR's National Series to the Lady in Black. Now, the Gander Trucks have raced six times before at Darlington Raceway, once a year from 2001 to 2004, then in 2010 and in 2011. Bobby Hamilton won in 2001 and 3, and Casey Kane in 2004 and 11. They're the only multi-time winners at Darlington in a truck. Ted Musgrave in 2002 and Todd Bodine in 2011 are the only other two individuals who have won in the truck at Darlington. Now, there are four drivers entered this weekend Uh, With a previous start in the Gander Trucks at Darlington, Uh, those four drivers include Matt Crafton. He leads the group with six starts, competing in all of the series races at Darlington. He has one top five, uh, fourth place in 2011, and he also has four top tens. His teammate, Thor Sport Racing uh, driver Johnny Sauter, has a pair of starts there, both, have, both of those are top tens. He was fourth in 2010 and ninth in 2011. Now, Jennifer Jo Cobb finished 14th in 2010, and Norm Benning raced in 2010, uh, finished 18th, and in 2011, he finished 26th. Brett Moffat is starting on the pole in the Gander Trucks and will return to the 1.366-mile circuit in South Carolina, Uh, Well, Sheldon Creed will be alongside him on the front row. Austin Hill, Zane Smith, and Baden Rhodes round out the top five starting positions. In six previous races with the series at Darlington, 
uh, the pole winner has not won the race. So that's not good news for uh, Sheldon Creed, who's on the pole this weekend, or maybe he's going to make a record this weekend. Certainly will be uh, interesting to uh, to watch that, but uh, I look at it as they talked about it as a wild card. Uh, some of these uh, drivers not having starts at Darlington, it's been a while since the trucks have been there. I think we're and then you have the top names uh, that we we talked about returning: Biffle, uh, Bain, and Reagan. Uh, really going to put this one as one of the top to watch over the weekend, I think. Okay, now I do have some uh, pre-race audio. Uh, from a driver who is returning to uh, the trucks this weekend, Greg Biffle. Again, he's going to be driving that number 24 GMS Services Chevrolet in the truck series this weekend. Uh, We're going to listen to just a couple comments here from Greg Biffle as he talks about his return to racing. The Biff is driving the number 24 GMS Services Chevrolet this weekend in the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series at Darlington Raceway. Greg, how excited are you to get back at the uh, Lady in Black this weekend? Well, I'm super excited to uh, get back in the trucks. What You know, I started kind of cut my teeth in NASCAR in the, in the truck series, and I, I really, really enjoy it. I love that racetrack uh, down there in South Carolina. Darlington, a few wins there in the Cup Series. And so it's it's uh, – I'm I'm excited, but I'm really nervous at the same time. I haven't been in a car in a year or a little more, or in a truck over a year, so no practice, no no anything, cold turkey. So it's uh, it's going to be exciting. Castillo, we're going to open the floor for questions, and we're going to start with Pete Icabelli from the Associated Press. Go ahead with your question, Pete. Hey, Greg. Um, you know, I know you weren't uh, up here in May when things reopened, but I'm sure you were watching pretty intently to see how things went at Darlington uh, last May. I mean, without what happened here in May, we might not be at this point right now. So, I mean, how proud are you? Uh, are you there must be pride attached to the guys at NASCAR, the, the track, the drivers, about how they kind of, kept this thing going and what was a difficult situation? Well, I'm telling you, I, I applaud everybody involved. It's, it's a difficult situation for NASCAR to, to come up with a creative plan to get back the racing a safe way. Um, let's face it, the drivers are uh, social distancing on the racetrack, right? They're about a car length apart or less, and they're in their own cockpit. So why can't we you know, put on a on an event as long as we can mitigate all the other things that surround it with no practice and no no other things, uh, you know, leading up to it. So they've done a great job uh, being able to pull this off. And, you know, midweek races, I have to tell you, I've enjoyed watching, and I hope that they've learned from it and take a note, you know, a page out of that book that, Look, we've always talked about, or at least I have, you know, let's race on Wednesday night. Let's race on Thursday night. And then let's come back and race again on Sunday. I've said that for 10 years. I think our product is good enough for a Wednesday, Thursday night TV. Baseball is, football, Monday night football is, 
I just think that, that our sport deserves that, and, and we actually got an opportunity to see that and put on those events, and I think it went well. Our next question will come from Dustin Albino. Go ahead with your question, Dustin. Yeah, Greg, thanks for your time. I'm curious, originally, how did this opportunity for this weekend at Darlington come together with GMS? Well, to be completely frank with you, I was in Key West fishing when my phone rang, and, and it was uh, Mike Beam from GMS, you know, discussing the opportunity potentially of coming and running the uh, Darlington truck race. And that's exactly that's exactly how the conversation began. And then, of course, we followed up, that up with, with uh, you know, meeting in person and talking about what it would take to put it together and, you know, I just looked at their equipment, talked with them. They obviously have a, a first-class organization, uh, similar to a few of some, some of the other teams going on. You know, teams in the truck series. So it was an easy decision for me when it when the opportunity came up. And I've never turned down a, a wonderful opportunity to get in what I think is opportunity to get in a truck and or a car or Xfinity or Cup car and win. And I felt like this this potentially was an opportunity, and it just fit. It was Darlington. Um, you know, I'm not happy about the no practice and and uh, qualifying and all that. But look, I get it. These are the times we're living in, and and that's going to be difficult on me. You know, for for not being in a car for a year or truck. Okay, uh, some interesting comments there from uh, Greg Biffle. He talks about the midweek racing. And, uh, you know, the the difficulty of this year of racing under pandemic circumstances. So any thoughts that you have from his comments, Jay? Yeah, several things he hit on there. Uh, again, being proud of NASCAR for what they have accomplished. Um, mm-hmm. Liking what they did, ended up doing because of it with the midweek racing, which uh, he's saying, you know, he's been promoting for, for years and I'd have to agree with that, you know, that I know some of the drivers have been saying they could get that done. Hopefully uh, the numbers came out good for that. We will get into uh, that in the future. One thing I noticed there, he did say, though, you know, he knows where he's at. The opportunity is there. He wants to do it. But he also did say it's going to be rough on him with the no practice. You know, it's been a year since he's driven a truck. So uh, as confident and as excited as he is, he's got that little bit of concern being that, the, there's no practice, but again, he understands the situation we're in. And I thought I thought the comments about uh, social distancing on the track, cars staying away from each other, was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of cute. Okay, so uh, definitely looking forward to having Greg Biffle back in the truck this weekend. I think uh, he's got enough experience as a veteran, having driven the trucks before, uh, that uh, he's still going to have a good race. Uh, I think the bigger challenge actually is going to be uh, for uh, drivers like uh, David Reagan and Trevor Bain, uh, who it's been much longer for them since they've been in the trucks. And uh, Greg Biffle, unfortunately, or I, I hope that sounded like fortunately and not unfortunately, uh, was in the truck last year. So uh, he's had some experience with Kyle Busch Motorsports racing in the truck. So I think that might help a little bit. Uh, but he's right. Given the circumstances this year with no practice, no qualifying, uh, the adjustment time is certainly minimized. But uh, I've got a feeling uh, that these drivers uh, will make the best of the situation. 
Okay. They most uh, they most certainly will, and obviously our uh, fan for racing crew ha- here has faith in them. While you were doing that, <laughs> or we were listening to the uh, Greg Biffle. Andy did take da- David Reagan for this truck series pick, and Mike came in with Trevor Bain. So they obviously have faith in the veterans. Again, the track too tough to tame. Experience means a lot there. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay, uh, we'll go ahead and move on now to the Xfinity Series. Uh, they are racing the Sports Clips Haircuts BFW 200 at Darlington Raceway on Saturday, September the 5th. That race will take place at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, pre-race coverage will be on NBC starting at 12 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 200.1 miles over 147 laps, the same as the Truck Series. Uh, Stage 1 will end on lap 45, Stage 2 on lap 90, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 147. So, again, I think uh, we'll probably take a look at, um, I'm thinking it's going to be the rookies. But I just want to make sure. No, it, we're going to be talking about the rookies, yes. And with that, here in the Xfinity Series, uh, we're going to talk about several of them, but it's been about one man as Burton continues to dominate the Snoko rookie standings here in the Xfinity Series. And that hasn't changed over the past few weeks. And currently holds a 100. Harrison Burton continues to hold a 170-point lead over teammate Riley Herbst. Burton is the only rookie who's locked into the playoffs by virtue of win, which he has two actually on the season, coming early in the season at Auto Club and Miami. Now, Herbst is in 10th place on the playoff outlook, a solid 142 points ahead of the cutoff line, so he's still in it to battle it. But of note, when the playoffs begin, the driver points in the playoffs will be reset to 2,000 points, with their playoff points then added on, which that will bring the Snoko rookie standings much closer together. Uh, Jesse Little is currently third in the Snoko rookie standings and is looking for his first top five of the season. His best season, his season best finish came at Pocono when he finished 10th. At Dover, he finished 23rd in both races. Let's take a li- look at the whole list here. Again, Harrison Burton at 716 points has picked up 14 of the rookie awards. Riley Herbst at 539 has five awards. Jesse Little did pick up one of the awards, has a 357 points. Joe Graff Jr. is currently fourth, sitting at 285. I believe he's going to be a guest here on Tuesday night show when we do it. Uh, Myatt Snyder. 244 points, does have one award for the year. And then Cody Vandervall at 145. Okay. Now, when we talk about Darlington again, we talk about throwback schemes. And they'll be, this has become a fan favorite at Darlington Raceway. And several teams are featuring throwback paint schemes to honor the history of the sport. Let's start with Junior Motorsports, who are, is running a pair of of cars in tribute to Dale Earnhardt Jr., paint schemes as he heads into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Now, Michael Lovett's number one Chevrolet will feature the Oreo scheme, reminiscent of one of Earnhardt's uh, drove to Victory Lane in Daytona in 2002. 
His teammate in the number seven Brandt Chevrolet, Justin Algauer, is paying homage to Earnhardt's 2003 July uh, Daytona Dirty Mo Posse car, the first paint scheme that Earnhardt designed himself. Now, a third junior motorsports car is going to honor the life of the late John Andretti, mimicking paint schemes from the 1995 and 96 uh, seasons. And the late Mike Stefanik also will be inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame class in 2021 and will be honored on Brett Moffat's number two, our Motorsports Chevrolet. Another car owner, Tony Stewart, uh, will be represented in the paint scheme of the number 98, Stewart Hawes Racing Board of Chase Briscoe. Now, the scheme will look back to 2011. That's the year of Stewart's final NASCAR Cup Series championship season. Jimmy Johnson will be recognized by fellow native Californian Ryan Vargas in the number six JD Motorsports Chevrolet. He'll be running a scheme that reflects back on the 2001 NASCAR Xfinity Series car of the retiring seven-time cup champion. Also among the tributes, you have Anthony Alfredo's number 21, Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet, paying tribute to Kevin Harvick's 2006 NASCAR Xfinity Series championship scheme. In that year, Harvick won nine races en route to his second of five Xfinity Series championships that RCR has captured. So a lot of tributes here to uh, current and former NASCAR drivers in the Xfinity Series. And, again, we can read all the information uh, about these. you got to go to t- check them out. Uh, you can find them on social media. No Twitter if you're on there. If not, I believe Jayski has a pretty good uh, layout of them. So yeah. go check them out and compare them. There are some great ones out there. Now, when we took a look at the uh, current field's history at Darlington, earlier this season, Chase Briscoe won the first race back of the, for the Xfinity Series after the stoppage in racing due to, in action due to the pandemic. Kyle Busch, who has not entered this weekend, finished second, while Justin Algar, Austin Sindrick, and Noah Gregson rounded out the top five. While it was Algar's 10th visit to the track, Too Tough to Tame, it was only the second start at the 1.366-mile egg-shaped oval for Briscoe and Gregson, what was the third time Sindrick had raced on the circuit. For Briscoe, Sindrick, and Gregson, it was their first top-five result at Darlington. And while all those drivers are locked into the playoffs by virtue of wins this season, several drivers around the bubble will be fighting against their history at the track in order to try and secure a better position in the standings. The good news for some of them is that they are recorded one of their better career Darlington finishes in the most recent outing at the track in May. Take a look at Brandon Brown, who currently occupies that 12th and final spot on the playoff grid. He's made four starts at the track, but only has a best finish of 13th with an average finish of 21.0. However, that best finish just happened to be earlier this year at Darlington, so he hopes to improve on that to build a larger gap and move out of that bump spot that would eliminate him from the playoffs should a driver outside the grid win. Moving up a little bit, Ryan Sieg, currently 11th on the, on the grid. He's got seven starts at the track with an average finish of 18.4, best finish of seventh, which is his only top 10 at the track. And again, came just four months ago. 
Riley Herbst, who is in tenth on the grid, makes his track day making made his track debut uh, back in May, where he finished 18th. A couple more to look at though. Uh, Jeremy Clements, he's 13th, one spot outside the playoff grid. He finished 12th in his last two outings to Darlington. His career best is 8th in 2016 with an average finish of 19.9. And then you got rookie Myatt Schneider. He's 14th on the grid. He also just made his track debut earlier this season, finishing 35th in May. So needs to improve quite a bit on that. Okay, let's take a look at the clinch scenarios uh, for Darlington Raceway. They have four races left, including Darlington. We should also mention that the Truck Series only has two races left in their regular season, the race at Darlington this weekend and then Richmond next weekend. So with four races left in the Xfinity Series regular season, though, time is also running short for those drivers who are not locked into the playoffs to secure their spot going into the postseason. Seven drivers are already clinched uh, in the 12-driver postseason field. Those drivers include Austin Sindrick, Chase Briscoe, Noah Gregson, Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, Justin Algauer, and Brandon Jones. Now, a few drivers can clinch via points. If there's a new winner, the following driver could clinch by being 166 points above the second winless drivers in the standings. So Ross Chastain can clinch a playoff spot with 24 points at Darlington Raceway. He's the only driver who can clinch a playoff berth without wins this weekend. However, if there is a repeat winner, the following driver could clinch by being 166 points above third, the third winless driver in the standings, and they could also clinch if a new winner, uh, if the new winner was Michael Annette and being 166 points above the second winless driver in the standings. Ross Chastain can clinch regardless of finish at Darlington Raceway. Now, those drivers who can clinch with a win uh, and only with a win include Ross Chastain, Michael Lynette, Riley Erbst, and Ryan Sieg. Of course, the only exception to that is Ross Chastain based on what we said previously, but the other three drivers have to have a win this weekend. And these drivers could uh, clinch with a win and clinch, if they can clinch a top 20 position. Those drivers include Brandon Brown, who could clinch with 48 points. Jeremy Clements could only clinch with help. And Myatt Snyder could only clinch with help. So they have to have somebody who has a bad day in order to get that uh, clinch. Now, expect uh, the battle for the uh, final spots left in the playoffs to stay close this weekend at Darlington because the drivers on the playoff bubble share a very similar average finishes. Ryan Sieg has an average finish of 18.4. Jeremy Clements is at 19.9. Josh Williams at 20.0. Brendan Brown at 21.0. And Myatt Snyder at 35.0. Jesse Little at 36.0. So uh, all these drivers uh, definitely have a uh, uh, a chance, but they're going to have to have some help in, in some some of these cases. 
Now, um, the drivers that are above that cutoff line are Ross Chastain, uh, Michael Annette, Riley Earps, the rookie, Ryan Sieg, and Brandon Brown. Those guys are all at 12 and above. Those drivers at 13 and below include Jeremy Clements, uh, Myatt Snyder, a rookie, Josh Williams, and Jesse Little. They all hold the positions 13 through 16. So Jeremy's 32 points back, and then it just keeps growing from there on back. Myatt Snyder, 48, 58 points back, 86 points back for Josh Williams, and 88 points back for Jesse Little. Brandon Brown on the upside is 32 points up. Ryan Sieg, 86 points up, and then it gets a lot better from there on. Riley Earps at 142 up. Michael Lynette, 223 points up. And Ross Chastain, 420 points up. So uh, these drivers, there's a lot of battles that will be taking place this weekend uh, with only four races left in the Xfinity Series. Well, I'm I'm the half full kind of guy, so I like the fact that we saw a lot of them had their best finish there uh, in the in the race in May. So, make hopefully make some interesting battles there all the way throughout the field as well as in the points. Now, when we look at this uh, track, too tough to tame for the Xfinity Series. They're going to lead off the weekend at Darlington with a midday affair on Saturday with the Sports Clips Haircuts VFW 200. Again, that'll be at 12.30 Eastern Time, NBC, MRN, and Sirius XM Radio. And this weekend's race marks the first time since 2004 that the Xfinity Series has raced twice in a season at the Darlington Raceway. After the stoppage in racing due to the COVID-19 pandemic, NASCAR realigned the NASCAR Xfinity Series races from Chicagoland Speedway to Darlington Raceway in May, the first week that the sport return to action that made the regular regularly scheduled labor day weekend event the second darlington race of the series for this on the season a chase briscoe won that first event of the season at darlington in the series return to racing for their first time after the two-month halt um in action the win was briscoe's second victory in the season after winning las vegas he then went on to win the second of the two Miami races in the doubleheader, Pocono, Indianapolis Road Course, and most recently in the second race of the Dover doubleheader weekend. Now, Briscoe and Denny Hamlin, with five wins, are the only drivers in the field with wins at the Darlington in this Xfinity Series. So, three different drivers have swept races for a total of four times at Darlington. In 84, it was Ron Bouchard. 94 was Mark Martin. Um... 2000 was Mark Martin, and then 2002 was Jeff Burton. Martin is the all-times win leader at Darlington with eight visits to victory lane. Denny Hamlin second with five wins, while Jeff Jeff Burton and Harry Gant each have four apiece. Justin Algar and Jeremy Clements lead all drivers entered with 10 starts apiece at the South Carolina track. Algar has three top fives and seven top ten finishes, including a third-place result here earlier in the year. Clements has at one top 10 and eighth place in 2016, I mentioned, finished 12th in May. And Justin Haley will start on the pole for Saturday's afternoon with Briscoe alongside of him on the front row. And the pole winner of the first starting spot position has won the race at Darlington 15 times, most recently by Denny Hamlin in 2017. 
So there's some numbers to look at as we head into the weekend. Okay. Uh, I do have some post-race audio here, or I'm sorry, pre-race audio here from Noah Gregson, and uh, he's driving the number nine Unilever United for American Chevrolet uh, in the NASCAR Xfinity Series this weekend. So let's hear what he has to say uh, as they wind down their regular season. We are now joined by Noah Gregson, driver of the number nine Unilever United for America Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports. And Noah, we're getting ready to go into uh, the track too tough to tame this weekend at Darlington Raceway. How excited are you to get back on track at Darlington this weekend? Well, I'm super excited. It's, uh, it's a really fun track, and I felt like we ran pretty good there um, earlier this year. So it'll be cool uh, just seeing everybody's paint schemes and whatnot. And I grew up this like little handlebar mustache. I got pulled right now. So, uh, no, I'm excited nonetheless. That's outstanding. We're going to go ahead and open up the floor for questions. If you have a question for Noah, go ahead and raise your hand, and we will call on you. We're going to start with Bob Pockers. Go ahead with your question, Bob. Sorry for that audio. I'm not sure what's going on there. Bob, I can't hear you, buddy. Bob, is we're going to come back to your your audio is very distorted. It sounds like it's coming out of a 1980s video game. We're going to go next to Woody Kane. Go ahead with the question, Woody. Hey, Noah. I uh, just wanted to ask you a little bit about the, the re-signing with Junior Motorsports and how all that came together, and were there other options you were looking at, or was that your goal all along? And uh, you already talked about the Fu Manchu, so we'll pass on that one for now. Oh, you're muted. You're muted. You're muted, Noah. All right, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Um, so that's a that's a good question. I appreciate that. It's uh, one of the, where it came up um, just fairly quickly, um, and it's it's actually um, kind of surprising and coincidental. Last year on August 26th, I signed the contract to run again at Junior Motorsports for 2020 and then um, sign the contract again on August 26th this year of 2020 to run for the 2021 season. So 365 days later, um, we signed both those contracts. So I was a little bit surprised, but uh, more to answer your question, um, Junior Motorsports is really high on our list. Um, that was really our, our main priority is, is how can we run Again, for a, hopefully a championship, and um, the main thing was to end this year out strong. But, um, yeah, with the 2021 car being pushed back, um, or the, the next-generation car being pushed back to 2022, um, I didn't really think that it was necessary to move up, and uh, so we didn't really pursue that too much um, into the Cup Series. So, with that being said, uh, there were some, some teams that uh, – that we were in talks with and whatnot, but uh, with that car getting pushed back, there was nothing to be serious uh, once we learned that, but uh, definitely started building relationships with some teams. Oh, okay. Some interesting comments there, Jay, from uh, Noah Gregson and uh, his thoughts about staying in the Xfinity Series for another year and, and the potential for the Cup Series. 
in future years? Uh, most certainly some interesting things there. Uh, I'll have to remember that for next year. I'll wait until August 26th to see what Noah Gregson's going to do because that's apparently when he signs <laughs> his contracts. Um, <laughs> mark that down on your calendar. But, no, talking about that, uh, you know, I, every driver's aspirations is to move to the Cup Series, but it sounds like they really did put some thought in it. Jay, we lost Talk you. to. Okay. Yeah, I hit the hold button, actually. I fixed it. Um, I don't know what teams he talked to, but to be smart and look at that of, you know, you're going to go through it twofold if you move up next year and then the following year with the uh, next-gen car, so – I think it was a wise decision for him on multiple levels to stay in the Xfinity Series for another year, especially with Junior Motorsports, obviously a championship contending team. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point as well, the fact that uh, that next-gen car isn't coming out for another year, and it makes all the sense in the world for him to stay in the Xfinity Series and delay that uh, move up to the Cup Series for that reason. Uh, why adjust to two different kinds of cars when you have a chance to, to make that adjustment to just one? So uh, very, very interesting comments there. And uh, the fact that he is talking to Cup teams now, uh, so they are already working on uh, what potential seats might be available for him for the Cup Series and in 2021 so that's kind of interesting too uh that they're this far ahead of the game there well again and i know we have differing opinions but i think he does have the talent to move up to the cups timing is everything i I, I wouldn't argue that in the least so uh like i said i think this is a smart decision and a good thing for him long term for his career okay moving on to the nascar cup series at darlington uh, they'll be racing the Cookout Southern 500 uh, this Sunday, September the 6th. So it's a doubleheader day on Sunday with the Trucks and the Cup Series running on the same day. Uh, it'll be a night race for the Cup Series racing at 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, with NBC Sports Network carrying the pre-race coverage at 5.30 p.m. Eastern as well as uh, radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, this race is going to be longer. It's 501.3 miles over 367 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 150, stage 2 on lap 230, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 367. So uh, let's get into the the uh, NASCAR Cup Series at Daytona, and I think what we'll do here, Jay, uh, since it covers uh, a lot of these drivers, let's start from the bottom up. We'll we'll go ahead and read that top paragraph, and then start with the first two drivers that are from the bottom up. All right, you want me to do two drivers? Well, let's do every other one. Okay. Well, what we're going to look at here is the playoff driver performances at the track Too Tough to Tame. As it is time for the best of the best in the NASCAR Cup Series to shine as the playoffs have arrived. The top 16 drivers will now battle it out over the next 10 weeks in that elimination-style postseason format kicking off this Sunday at Darlington Raceway. The season's playoff field is full of talent, we got six former series champions that have qualified for the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series postseason, including Kyle Busch, 
who did it in 2015, as well as your defending champion from 2019. Joey Logano was a 2018 champion. Martin Truex in 17. Kevin Harvick in 14. Brad Keselowski in 2012. And as far back as 2004, Kurt Busch. Now, plus, for just the third time in NASCAR Cup Series playoff era, which is from 2004 to the present, Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate has made to the postseason, and that is Stuart Haas Racing's Cole Custer as he joins Denny Hamlin in 2006 and Chase Elliott in 2016 as the only rookies to accomplish that feat. So again, we're going to take a look at the playoff, the 2020 playoffs top 16 career performances at Darlington Raceway as we head into this week's uh, postseason event. And let me scroll down here, and I know we. Uh, like to switch play, uh, people who we are. So I'll be Mike for a minute. We'll talk about Matt Di Benedetto. <laughs> See if I can put as much well, energy you know. into this. <laughs> uh, number 21, Wood Brothers Racing Ford. Now they clinched the final NASCAR playoff series spot in 16th on points last weekend in a wild finish at Daytona International Speedway, earning his first ever postseason career berth. The Californian heads to Darlington with 2,000 points. He's made seven starts at Darlington in the Cup Series, accumulating two top tens. His average finish at the historic raceway is a 21.0, with 21st being his best. I'm sorry, that is a 21st best ranking. Uh, He also falls right in the top 25 of several key loop data categories at Darlington. Average running position of 22.461, which is 24th best. Driver rating of 60.7, which is 24th. The seventh fastest, or seven fastest laps run, 25th. 551 laps in the top 15, which is 23.6%, which is 20th most. Okay, next is Kurt Busch driving the number one Chip Ganassi Racing Chevrolet. He heads to Darlington this weekend, ranked 15th in the Cup Series playoff standings with 2,001 points. The 2020 season marks the 14th time that he's competed in the Cup Series playoffs, and this season the Las Vegas native has gathered four top fives, 14 top tens, and a pole. At Darlington, Bush has made 25 starts, collecting four top fives, 10 top tens, and two poles. His average finish at the egg-shaped track is 15.647. That's 12th best. And he's also ranked right around the top 10 in several key loop data categories at Darlington. His average running position is that of 13.177. That's 10th best. Driver rating of 88.4 is 11th best. And 235 fastest laps run is 6th best. His 4,361 laps in the top 15 is 72.4% which is fourth most. All right. Believe it or not, the 14th ranked driver is the defending champion, the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, Kyle Busch. Again, he's the defending series champion, but enters in this spot with 2,003 points. This is Bush's 13th appearance in the Cup Series postseason. Now, in comparison to past years, 2020 was a bit of a rough for Bush and the number 18 JGR team. It is the longest into a full season the two-time champ has gone without a win. 
Bush has posted 11 top fives and 13 top tens this year, but Darlington could be the track where he breaks the 26-race winless streak. He's made 17 starts at the famed raceway, collecting one win, five top fives, and 11 top tens. His average finish at Darlington is 11.412, which is seventh best. Now, much like Harvick and Hamlin, Bush ranks in the top five in several of the key loop data categories at Darlington. Average running position at 9.405 is third best. Driver rating of 102.9 is fourth. 320 fastest laps run is second best. And 5,070 laps in the top 15, which is 84.2%, is the series most. Okay, I'll be Andy Lasky now. Uh, We will talk about (laughs) Clint Boyer in the number 14 Stuart Haas Racing Ford. He rolls into Darlington, ranks 13th in the Cup Series playoff standings at 2,004 points. This is his ninth time competing in the playoffs. Now, the Kansas native has amassed two top fives, seven top tens this season, and looking to Darlington, where Boyer has posted two top tens a pole, and a pole in 16 starts. His average finish at the 1.366-mile track is 21.313. That's 22nd best. He's also ranked right around the top 15 in several key loop data categories at Darlington. His average running position is 17.845. That's 16th best. His driver rating is 17. I'm sorry, 77.4, which is 15th best. 153 fastest laps run, which is ninth best, and 2,816 laps in the top 15, which gives him a percentage of 49.8%, which is 11th most. All right, slide up. We're going to talk about Eric Almarola. Now, he's in the number 10 Stuart Haas Racing Ford. He arrives this weekend ranked 12th in the Cup Series playoffs, with 2,005 points. The 2020 season marks the fourth time he has competed in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. The driver from Tampa, Florida, has put up five top fives and 14 top tens this season, the highest-ranked driver entering the postseason without a win. Almarola has made 10 starts at Darlington, posting one top ten finish. His average finish at the raceway is a 17.600, which is 15th best. In addition, he is ranked in the top 25 in the loop data categories. Average running position of 18.404 is 17th best. Driver rating of 72.7 is 18th. 13 fastest laps run, 22nd. 915 laps in the top 15, 26.6%, which is 15th most. Okay, I'm going to um, take on uh, a, a dual personality here with Sal Segala and myself. We'll talk about Cole Custer next in the number 41 Stuart Haas Racing Ford. He rides into Darlington this weekend as just the third difference Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidate in the playoff era uh, from the 2004 to the present to make the Cup Series playoffs, joining Denny Hamlin, who did it in 2006, and Chase Elliott in 2016, as we mentioned earlier. Now, Custer's ranked 11th in the playoff standings. He's 2,005 points, 
The Californian has one win in six top tens this season. At Darlington, he has the one top 25 finish in just two starts. His average finish at the historic raceway is 26.5. He's 28th best there. His limited experience at the track, too tough to tame, has him ranked in the top 25 in just two key loop data categories. His average running position is 22.242. That's 23rd best. And his driver rating is 59.8, which is 25th best. All right. Well, you did a good job of handling the split personality there. Uh, moving up to the number three, Richard Childress Racing Chevrolet. That is Austin Dillon. He heads to Darlington, ranked 10th in the Cup Series playoff, starting with 2,005 points. This is also Dillon's fourth time competing in the postseason. The driver from North Carolina did have to miss a race due to testing positive for the COVID-19 this season, but had already locked himself into the playoffs with the win. With the playoff will, uh, playoff waiver, Dylan now sets his sights on Darlington, track where he has made eight starts, accumulating one top five and two top tens. Average finish at the egg-shaped track is a 13.250, which is 10th best. And on top of that, he's ranked in the top 20 in several of the key loop data categories at Darlington. We'll start with average running position of 16.854, which is 15th best. Driver rating of 75.3, 17th, 18 fastest laps run, which is 18th, and 1,046 laps in the top 15, or 38.6%, which is 14th most. Okay, we'll move on now to William Byron. He drives the number 24 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet, and he clinched his spot into the 2020 playoffs by winning the regular season finale at Daytona International Speedway just last weekend. He now pulls into Darlington this weekend, ranked ninth in the NASCAR Cup Series playoff standings with 2,007 points. This is the second time that Byron has made the playoffs. The youngster from North Carolina has put up one win and nine top tens this season. At Darlington, he's made four career starts, posting one top 15 finish. His average finish at the track is 25.750. That's 25th best. Byron is ranked in the top 20 in several key loop data categories at Darlington. His average running position of 15.176 is 13th best. The driver rating of 78.7 is 14th best. And 19 fastest laps run is 17th best. 823 laps in the top 15 is 66.6% and represents the 16th most. All right, staying within the Hendrick camp, this next up is the number 88 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet driven by Alex Bowman. Now he comes into Darlington ranked 8th in the Cup Series standings and he will start with 2,009 points. The 2020 season marks the third time in his career he's made the postseason. This year, Bowman has collected one win, eight top tens, and at the track too tough to tame, he's made six starts, posting one top five finish. The average finish at Darlington is 19.0, which is 18th best, and he ranks into the top 20 in the key loop data categories, starting with the average running position of 18.799, which is 18th best, Driver rating is a 76.0, 16th best. 
107 fastest laps run, which gets up to the 10th best, and then 766 laps in the top 15, or 38.8%, which puts him 17th most. Okay. That was Ryan Blaney? No, I did Bowman. You're up on Blaney. Okay. Uh, Blaney is next. Uh, He drives the number 12 team, Penske Ford, and heads to Darlington, ranked 7th in the NASCAR Cup Series playoff standings with 20,013 points. This is the fourth time that Blaney has made the playoffs. The driver from North Carolina has put up one win, eight top fives this season. At Darlington, he's posted two top 15s in seven starts. His average finish at the uh, track is 19.857. That's 20th best. Plus, he ranked in the top 25 in key loop data categories at Darlington. Uh, His running position is 20.654, 21st best. Driver rating is 72.5, 19th best. And 34 fastest laps run makes it 16th best, and 523 laps in the top 15 is 22.4% of his laps, or 21st most. All right, and that is going to bring us to Martin Truex, starting in the uh, sixth spot. The number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota enters with 2,014 points, and this marks his eighth time he's competed in the playoffs. Now, Truex has grabbed one checkered flag and 11 top five finishes on the season. Last year, he became just the fourth driver in series history to win the first two events of the playoffs, joining Greg Biffle, who did it in 2008, Tony Stewart in 2011, and Matt Kenseth from 2013. Truex has made 16 starts <coughs> at Darlington, posting one win, <coughs> excuse me, two top fives and eight top tens. Average finish at the historic track is 11.125, which is fifth best. And he ranks in 10th in the top 10 in the key loop data categories. Average running position, 11.138, which is six. Driver rating, 99.6, which is six. 287 fastest laps run, fifth best. And 4,049 laps in the top 15, 71.7%, which is also fifth best. Next up is Joey Logano uh, in the number 22 team Penske Ford. He comes into Darlington ranked fourth with 2,022 points. The 2020 uh, playoffs marks the seventh time that Logano has played in the postseason. He has two wins, six top fives on the year, and has made 13 starts at Darlington with three top fives and six top tens. His average finish at the track is 15.769, 13th best. He's also ranked top 12 in several key loop data categories. Average running position of 12.695 is 8th best. Driver rating of 89.5 is 8th best. 89 fastest laps run is 11th best. And 3,215 laps in the top 15 represents 70.7%, which is ninth most. Well, the third spot goes to the third Team Penske Ford, and that's the number two of Brad Keselowski, starting with 2,029 points. This is his ninth time, ninth time in the playoffs, and it's his fifth consecutive year. He's put up three or more wins in the series. Now, Keselowski is no slouch at Darlington either, with one win, five top fives, seven top tens, and one pole in 13 starts. 
Average finish at the historic track, 10.385, which is fourth best. He's in the top 10 in the loop data categories. Average running position, 10.685 is fourth. Driver rating of 99.9 is fifth. 190 fastest laps run, seventh best. And 3,330 laps in the top 15, ninth most with a 73.2%. Denny Hamlin in the number 11 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota is ranked second in the uh, post-race, post-season with 2,047 points. This is the Virginia native's 14th appearance in uh, the playoffs, and he's right behind Harvick, winning six races this year, second most, including the second stop earlier in the season at Darlington Raceway. Hamlin has three wins, nine top fives, 13 top tens, and one pole in 16 starts at Darlington. His average finish at the track is second best. He's also ranked in the top three in several key loop data categories. Running average position is 8.131, the series best. Driver rating is 106.7, the series best. 304 fastest laps run is third best. And 5,025 laps in the top 15 is second most, representing 88.9%. Well, your top spot goes to the number four Stuart Haas Racing Chevrolet of Kevin Harvick. Now, he's going to enter with 2,057 points. This is the California native's 14th appearance in the postseason. He's won a total of seven races on the year, which is the series most, including the first stop earlier this season at Darlington Raceway. Harvick has posted two wins, 10 top fives, 14 top tens, and two poles in 25 starts at Darlington. Average finish at the 1.366-mile track, 11.235, which is sixth best. He's obviously in the top five in the loop data categories. Average running position, 10.948, which is fifth best. Driver rating, a 103.5, third best. 363 fastest laps run is a series best. And 4,785 uh, laps in the top 15 equals 79.5%, which is third most. Okay, we are now past the top of the hour, which means that it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us uh, for our discussion tonight is our co-host, Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks, Sharon. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing very well. Uh, We're going to let you kick off uh, the hot topic since uh, Jay and I have been talking for the last 90 minutes. Yeah, um, obviously a lot kind of going on this week, certainly, with it being the playoffs and whatnot, but um, some silly season news that got uh, made official, Eric Almarola is going to be back in the 10 car for Stuart Hoffman in 2021. Yes, indeed. So, Jay, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, no surprise there. We we had kind of uh, thought that. I know it was one that was a possibility, um, but not one of the more uh, prevalent ones, if you will, being that he does bring the Smithfield sponsorship. Um, Stuart Haas Racing had said they, they kind of plan on keeping what they got. So that isn't one that I had high on the list. I know it was a possibility of him moving, but I felt pretty confident he was going to be one returning to where he was at 
there at Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, we've seen his capabilities, talked about his uh, playoff runs again. Doesn't necessarily have the wins, but he is the top driver ranked without a win, and we've seen that in the past. He's finished fifth just outside the Final Four uh, a few years back. So uh, good to see. I know it takes one more name off and one more possibility, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions as far as the rest of silly season. So this one I don't feel is a big domino necessarily to fall. It's just kind of a little one that we can eliminate. (laughs) Yes, I would agree with you. Uh, No surprises with Eric Almarola uh, signing the agreement with Stuart Oz Racing. As you mentioned, they announced earlier that they uh, are pretty much looking to keep the current lineup uh, as this, uh, as it currently stands So uh, hopefully the, the other dominoes will fall shortly uh, As uh, they answer The rest of those questions But still a lot of questions As you mentioned Jay uh, Remain in the NASCAR silly season uh, Specifically uh, Where Chase Briscoe May end up in the uh, 2020 season But it could be as we talked about With uh, Noah Gregson uh, that he may prefer to stay in the Xfinity Series another year since the new car coming into the Cup Series won't be available until the 2021 season. So, uh, Andy, I'm really curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I don't think this is a surprise, uh, like you both mentioned. Um, you know, if you look at Eric's numbers, this has been a really good year for him. And, um, you know, he's only in his mid-30s. He's for sure got some time left. And I think that he's developed a, a really good relationship and a really good home at Stuart Haas Racing. And um, having developed an almost 10-year relationship with Smithfield, um, you know, who certainly brings a lot of funding, uh, does most of the primaries on the 10 car, um, it's a no-brainer that he's back next year. I think that... Uh, you know, it's important for these drivers to build relationships with partners, and, and that's what keeps you going in this business is is having sponsorship and having that funding. And Eric has developed a, a really good uh, relationship with Smithfield, and certainly, you know, for him, you really get much better than Stuart Haas Racing. I, I don't think it makes sense for him to, to go elsewhere. They're an elite team, and to make a, a lateral move doesn't really make sense. I think the home that he's built there um, – you know, certainly makes sense for him as well as Smithfield and that team. And, and like I said, they've had a good year. They haven't won, but they've had a good year and, and have the potential to win. So um, not a big surprise. I don't think that anyone was really shocked by it. I know when you see some of the rumors, I think people were speculating otherwise. But I think that uh, anyone that analyzes and looks at it knows that that was, um, that, that was pretty much to be expected. So, good deal for him and uh, I think the team gets one step closer to knowing its uh, official 2021 lineup and I know that there's still a couple more moving parts to that um, you know as far as what the what they do with Clint and what they do with Briscoe but it's you know having listened to Greg Zipidelli's comments a, a little bit ago there at least a still ago um, you know it almost seems to it seems to me that they want to do their best to keep Briscoe in the fold and, and if that means another year of Xfinity then uh I think it's probably a good thing for him moving forward so um I guess we'll see I know there's still some things to figure out but at least we know one one more team that's shored up and uh ready to roll for 2021 
Okay, Jay. Any follow? Any comments on your end? Well, this is one, and I, I won't uh, throw anybody under the bus, but we've seen other times where, you know, Andy talked about that relationship with Smithfield. I think that that is a matter we've seen it in the, when he made the move to Stuart Haas Racing. Smithfield's going to go where he goes, so he could go to a lot of different places. Uh, the difference here is he backs up on the track. It's not just that he has the money. He also puts up the number. So, like Andy said, I think Stuart Haas Racing is a good fit. I'd like to see a few more of those wins get clicked off, but uh, when, when it's your teammate that's uh, gobbling them up, you know, it's pretty tough to, to beat Kevin Harvick. So uh, you can't really hold that against him either. Okay. I agree. I, I think, uh, and I think those wins are coming, Jay. Uh, I think that uh, Talladega is on the uh, list for uh, uh the playoff races, and he's won at Talladega, albeit it was in 2018. But I look for uh, Eric Almarola to perhaps pull off a victory at Talladega during the playoffs. So uh, we'll see if that happens. But uh, that's my my thoughts. And actually, uh, it gives me a chance to also highlight uh, that uh, uh, Owen Stewart put out on FanFracing.com today uh, his predictions for the round of 16 and uh, all the way to the championship four uh, for the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series season. So uh, definitely check that out uh, when you get a chance. And it includes the fact that he thinks also that Eric Almarola will win that Talladega race. All right, so Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people compare – the other three Stuart Haas cars to Kevin, you know, just something Jay just touched upon. And I think it's kind of unfair to do that because Kevin Harvick's an elite driver with an elite crew chief. They've been together now um, since 2014 and they've really been able to build and, and grow the chemistry and just get stronger and stronger over time. And even though Kevin has been the clear cut leader at that team, um, there's been times where all three of the other cars have been good. So, um, it's probably unfair to compare Kevin with the other three drivers at that team. Um, but I think that um, I think Eric's done a good job of, of proving his worth this year. I think I'd have to look at the numbers. I'm not sure, but I think that um, this, he's had the most top tens um, of his career this year. I'm pretty sure. And uh, has led a lot of laps and certainly been competitive. I think they had, what was it? Nine top tens in a row, something like that. So um yeah, it's been a good year for them, and obviously we'll see how far all four of those guys go. I think we know how far Kevin's going to go, but um, it'll be interesting to see what the other three can do. But, you know, they're all competitive. They're all in the playoffs. No other four-car team can say that this year. Um, I know Penske get all of their cars in, but that's a three-car team. So, you know, Hendrick had a car left out. Gibbs had a car left out. So the fact that they did that is uh, a pretty cool accomplishment, and, you know, they won't all make it to the final four. There's probably no doubt about that but um you know it's pretty cool they all get in for sure it shows that they have been you know fairly good for the most part this year as a collective whole okay good comments okay jay let's move on to you for the next topic well unfortunately we had another one surface and i think it was monday night when as we wrapped up that mike kind of hit on it um being an early rumor if you will there, there did get some information released that there is some concern as far as the number 13 Jermaine, Jermaine Racing 
team being sold, folding, uh, however you want to look at it, and it ties to the Geico sponsorship. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I found this to be a little bit troubling, and I, I hope that it's just it simply means that they just haven't secured sponsorship yet, and, and maybe you know there's ongoing negotiations that will allow Geico to return. Geico is a, a partner of the sport. They, I believe, directly are a partner of the Cup Series. So, you know, you'd hate to see them stay in NASCAR but no longer support a team causing it to go out of business. I don't think that's a great look. So hopefully they can get that figured out so that the team will race next year. You'd you'd hate to see yet another organization not make it through, um, you know, and and close its doors after this season. Obviously, you know, no one wanted to see Levine family racing close and certainly don't want to see Jermaine racing close either. So I'm hoping that – you know, a sponsor steps up or they can at least re-sign Geico or maybe bring in new partners to help fill out the schedule. But um, it is troubling to see these rumors because um, you want people to come into the sport, not leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Jermaine came out and said at this time, anything on the table, anything is on the table. Jermaine Racing does not have a signed sponsorship contract for the 2021 and Bob Germain is exploring conversations for a potential sale. So uh, that was the statement that came out uh, from Germain Racing. Uh, and, again, I just find it so amazing that Geico is one of the premier partners with NASCAR, uh, along with Bush Beer, Coca-Cola, and Xfinity, uh, for them to uh, not yet be signed uh, with Jermaine Racing uh, and in jeopardy of resigning with Jermaine Racing is a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, so I'm I'm curious if that was one of the stipulations that maybe they had to back away from individual sponsorship, but I, I don't think that's the case because we see Bush Beer heavily involved with Kevin Harvick. We see Xfinity heavily involved uh, in the Xfinity series. So that doesn't even seem like a possibility to me. So, uh, again, it's a head-scratcher for me, but uh, I'm hoping that uh, Jermaine Racing will be able to uh, pull out of this and continue racing for for years to come and that Geico will re-sign with them. Uh, But, again, I do understand that this is a pandemic year and uh, a lot of strange things are happening and there could be a lot of financial reasons why that might not come together. So, uh, Jay, your thoughts? Well, this this goes back to a concern I had when Monster Energy was no longer returning as the title sponsor to the Cup Series, and they talked about breaking it down into the premier sponsors in uh, partners to the Cup Series, to the NASCAR Cup Series top level. And that's one of the concerns you have is if they can be a premier partner, then they don't want to, they aren't going to opt to be on a particular car. Uh, I know you mentioned Bush beer, but I think that's a bigger company. They can afford to do both. Geico may not be able to afford to do both or want to do both. So they got to make a choice of one or the other. Uh, And I don't know if that's where they're at. You know, it might just be that they are ready to to sign to re-up with the 13 team or looking at other options. I don't know what their plan is. But that is one of the concerns of 
the way this new uh, branding has gone with the Cup Series instead of one title sponsor. The uh, the good thing I look at here um, when you talk about possibly the sale of the 13, not that I want to see Jermaine Racing leave or maybe it can be a partnership, but we talked about Justin Marks looking to start a team and come in uh, with a little bit of sponsorship and a plan from that aspect. So, uh, again, try and be positive. Look at that might be a spot where they would fit in. Again, it's a top 20, 25 team, so they're not starting completely from scratch at the bottom end. Uh, so that might be a good fit for them to work their way in. Okay. Andy, any follow-up? Uh, nope, no follow-up. Yeah, not really from me either. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that you don't have any follow-up either, Jay. I just I I'd hate to see the Geico lizard leave. I kind of like that little lizard. He's a, he's a he's not a lizard. He's a gecko. He's the Geico oh, yeah, gecko. Right. Yeah, gecko. There we go. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, Andy, that's back to you now for the next shark topic. Oh uh, yeah, this kind of goes in line. Well, did you have one, Sharon? Did you want to bring up? No. No, that's okay. I'm, I'll leave it to you guys. Yeah, another silly season uh, one that really I didn't even know was, was on the radar. Um, but uh, Will, William Byron's re-signed for the next two years at Team Hendrick, which is a pretty big deal. Obviously coming off his big win at Daytona. Um, but it was actually signed several weeks before that. So obviously some good news. Carries what you think. Okay, Jay. All right. Now, I did see he was uh, extended through 2022. Was that a two-year? Let me see if I can find it here. If that was a two-year extension or a one-year extension. That's a two-year. Okay, so this, I didn't realize. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize he was in the final year of it, so it was a two-year extension. Okay. Um, Extensions, those are normally a lot of times built into a contract uh, from the beginning of team or driver has a, that option. Uh, and I really thought maybe it was only a one year that he was signed through 2021 and, and extended for a one year. The fact that it is a two year extension makes me feel a little bit better. Not ready to sign that long-term deal yet. Um, again, a lot of that I know has to do with sponsorship and especially in this 2020 year, that might not be a possibility. Um, the, the win at Daytona, his first career win, making the playoffs, obviously puts him in a good position uh, moving forward, especially when it comes to getting some sponsors that, that then they can sign and get it to a long term here, hopefully within the next two years. And next time we talk about it, it's not an extension. It's a long longer-term deal. Okay. Yeah, I think it's good news to hear that uh, William Byron is back uh, through the 2022 season, and uh, I think uh, uh, he's shown that he is capable of winning races. He had to work at it uh, this past weekend, and and he was able to pull off that victory at Daytona uh, International Speedway. So I think that we're going to see a lot more wins from William Byron and Chad Knauss now that uh, he has uh, got that monkey off his back, if you will, and I think it's a good choice for uh, Hendrick Motorsports. I think he seems to fit in there very well. Uh, he's turning into quite a young man. And uh, uh, I think uh, 
It's going to be a great, uh, I think it has the potential to be another great pairing between William Byron and Chad Canals. So uh, it's all good from my point of view. Andy? Yeah, it's it's great news. And and honestly, um, you know, it it gives some longevity for for knowing what he's going to be doing when you can take that pressure off and, and know that you're not only signed for next year, but the year after as well. I think that it allows... Uh, allows him to focus on other things such as, um, you know, making a strong playoff run and winning races on a more consistent basis. So, you know, that's a big deal to get um, in a day and age where we oftentimes, even with the elite drivers, we're starting to see more one-year deals. Um, you know, to get a two-year extension is a pretty big deal. And I believe, um, you know, he and, and Chase Elliott are good for at least a couple more years and Bowman's good through next year. So there's obviously one big piece we don't know yet, which is the 48 car, but it sounded like, well, I guess we can make that a topic. We'll get to that later. But um, uh, Yeah, it's obviously great news for him. It's great news for him. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I didn't even realize that that was a, a part of the silly season, but certainly great to see him get the extension. And, you know, we know what he's doing now. Well, and let me just, do make clarification because uh, Jay was right. Uh, Byron's contract runs through 2021, and his sponsorship with Exalta runs through 2022. Uh, Liberty University is also through 2021. Now, uh, Byron, on September 1st, announced an extension to his contract that takes him through 2022. So it is a one-year extension to his existing contract that went through 2021. So, Jay, your, your follow-up thoughts. Yeah, well, just the fact that we hadn't been talking about his name as far as being a free agent following this year, that's what really made me think he had to be at least through 2021, or we would have been talking about him already. So, um, it looks like it was, like I said, a built-in deal of, hey, we got the option to extend it for or a year or whatever, that they, they went ahead and implemented that. And it matches up with in line with several of the sponsors you mentioned, which we, we've seen in the past and is quite common. When I look at it, though, uh, you know, Sharon, you mentioned uh, as far as fitting in at Hendrick, that's really been a, a deal in the making because he ran late models for junior motorsports, when he did come in, there just wasn't room in the in the Chevy camp, Hendrick Motorsports specifically, or Junior Motorsports, and he went to Kyle Busch Motorsports. Hendrick made it happen where, you know, that's one where they said, uh, you know, I got to let you go for now, but you'll be back, and he's made it happen, and I see him being there very long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. Um, I do too. I think that he will be there long term. Uh, especially when you consider a, a crew chief like Chad Knauss. And uh, I think it's going to be uh, uh, a good match for many years to come. I don't really have much more than that to say. Uh, but, uh, Andy, I'm wondering if what you have to say. Uh, yeah, no real follow-up. You know, just happy for him, certainly, that he gets the extension. And I think that, you know, like I said earlier, it, it allows them to focus on the other important things like um, winning and, and trying to make a championship run. So, obviously, it's well-timed uh, news of the extension. I think it puts everyone at ease and, and they can focus on what's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jay, that leads us to you for the next topic. 
Well, uh, as you know, uh, I went up to Tennessee, so I spent a lot of time on the road listening to Sirius XM and a lot of the topics uh, across all the shows, but specifically Sirius XM Speedway with Dave Moody was about Richard Petty Motorsports, Denny Hamlin, and what's going on there. And just to add a couple of things here, uh, apparently NASCAR president Steve Phelps uh, did address the issue of Denny Hamlin can remain driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, a four-car team, and be part owner in another team. So I know initially when we talked about it, I didn't think that was a, was a possibility that he would have to go drive for that team. That is not true. Uh, I guess either that rule has changed. Um, or I don't know how it was exactly written or it has changed. But Denny Hamlin can stay driving for a four-car team, Joe Gibbs Racing, and be part ownership in the other team without having to go drive for it. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I had seen that, um, or heard that rather, this week, which I found to be interesting. And certainly, um, you know, it's good that they clarified that because there had been speculation that um, you you could own a team but drive, you know, for a four-car team. So the fact that he can do that further, I think, fuels the fire in terms of uh, what's going to happen in the future. And even Denny said himself, um, in an interview, and I believe it was on Race Hub, or may have seen it on Twitter, where he said that uh, you know he's always looking for opportunities, you know, after he's done driving, which I think further fuels the fire as well. So um, it's interesting to see what's going to happen there. But you know, I, I as we've seen year after year, a lot of times when these rumors come out, there's a reason they come out, and I know sometimes we see outlandish rumors where you think where the heck did that get started but you know when you see it over and over again and you keep hearing it um you know you you tend to think that there's probably some substance to it so even though we don't really know any details about what's going to happen i I do expect really big things from rpm for 2021 in terms of changes and, and what they've got going on on the horizon so um for them to announce that um, Hamlin is, has bought into ownership of the team wouldn't surprise me at this point, even though nothing's been made official. So um, it will be uh, kind of, I think we said it on the last show, it's going to be interesting to follow that team because there seems to be a lot going on there in terms of this newfound uh, sponsorship from quite a few different companies, as well as, you know, potential investors, potential manufacturer changes, a lot going on there that could really, elevate that program in a big way. So um, be curious to uh, keep following this story and, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll know something maybe before the season's out. Okay. Uh, Jay, where did you see that he did talk about that? Cause I was going to go in through the information that I have and I didn't see anything about that particular topic. I believe it was on it's Tuesday mornings when he comes on Sirius XM radio on the morning drive with Pete Pistoni and De- uh, Mike Bagley. Oh, he said it on there. Okay. Okay. Cause the information that I got from NASCAR does not mention it. Okay. But he did say on the show there that uh, he is eligible. Yes. Uh, that Again, I didn't listen to the morning show. I, I was listening to Dave Moody in the afternoon, but they talked about it and that, that, that had been a confirmed that he was allowed to do so. 
Okay. Yeah, I know we we talked about it on an earlier show. Um, uh, it, it's uh, all speculation right now, uh, but it sounds like there's some behind-the-scenes conversation that is taking place. Uh, so uh, for Steve Phelps to address that, uh, I think, uh, is an indication of that. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what actually does uh, come out uh, with regard to that. I'm just wondering how soon uh, they would announce something uh, because it's kind of at that point where they need to announce something fairly soon uh, for, uh, you know, planning purposes and, and everything for the 2021 season. So uh, I'm not sure if they're going to wait until after this season is over, which is going to leave very little time uh, for them to transition into that, or if uh, they'll make the announcement at some point during the the playoffs. Obviously, it's going to be at some point during the playoffs um, if it's not at the end of the season, which I find highly unlikely. But uh, it seems like they should be coming out with something fairly soon, uh, given the length of time that's needed to make those types of transitions. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Or is it Jay? Um, Yeah, Jay, sorry. Okay. I I will tell you this, and this is what I took away from uh, what Moody was talking about, and he said that when it was brought to uh, Steve Phelps, it wasn't a random hypothetical scenario. It was very specific. Can Denny Hamlin do this? Uh, as that's what the rumor's been. We've seen Andy Merstein from Richard Petty Motorsports say that they have been in serious negotiations with NASCAR driver and celebrity. Here's where what Moody's point was, especially when Can you look I at Denny Hamlin. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yep, go ahead. Okay, we're at that time of the show where I do need to make an announcement for those people who may be listening for the first time. Oh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, but we do continue recording the rest of the conversation as part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. Now, I go on uh, Twitter to post that uh, podcast availability as soon as we finish up uh, our Hot Topics conversation. Uh, If you've listened up to this point of the show, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, If podcast listeners, of course, can listen straight through. So, uh, but I do like to give that announcement uh, at this point, just so uh, anybody who's listening for the first time understands what's going on. Of course, our regular listeners know that we do that at this point of the show, and so we will continue on. And, Jay, I apologize for the interruption. No, that's all right. Like I said, I hadn't seen the time, so it was a good call. Um, but going back to that, right now, Denny Hamlin having a career year, obviously – we feel he's going to be able to even ride it all the way, no matter what his finishes. It would be extremely hard for him to not make the final four going into Phoenix. So with that kind of playoff run on the line, if there were something that were to be a distraction that they could put an end to that they would, you know, when it came out, uh, Jordan as the possible, possible celebrity to be involved in it, Jordan's camps came out and said, that is not true. End of story. Put it to bed. Denny Hamlin was asked about it throughout the weekend. And as Andy said, he said, I'm looking at things of the future for down the road after my driving career is done, things I might want to invest in. He did not confirm. He did not deny. 
if it were not true and they're focused on the playoffs only and, and their run to the championship, they'd want to eliminate that distraction by saying no. And they didn't mm-hmm. do that. So, uh, you know, that, that again, just adds to that. And, and this has been building and building and not going away. Like I said, the Jordan part of it, they came out and said, nope, not us, not doing it. So uh, I think it's one of those, the feeling I get is that the contracts are typed up. They're sitting on everybody's desks. The final people are reading through them, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, that they just aren't ready to officially announce it yet. But I think it is pretty much a, a done deal. Again, the final negotiations, because it would involve Richard Petty Motorsports switching over to Toyota, probably being under a heavy alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing, as we've seen teams do in the past, that I think that's where those final details are being worked out before this officially gets confirmed. Okay, Andy, follow up. Well, I think the reason Michael Jordan's denied investing is because I think Jay Houston's going to be the investor, right, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go ahead and deny that. Oh, yeah, let's let's do that. It's it's not the eight ball that's going to be on the side of that new car. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Any additional follow-up, Sandy? <laughs> no, on a serious note, I, I don't. I think it's just a story that we'll keep trying to follow and then hopefully get some information. I am hoping that we can um, maybe find out what that team's going to do before the end of this season. Um, you know, and I think I said it a week or two ago that you start to see a lot of things announced and, and things come to fruition uh, as the playoffs continue on because of certain drivers and teams fall out of the playoffs, then they can start talking more about uh, 2021 plans. So I think we'll start learning things here, but it may take a few weeks. Obviously, the focus this week is kicking the playoffs off, and I know that's where the immediate media focus is. But, um, you know, I'm hoping we'll find out something here in the next uh, couple months. Yeah, I hope it's sooner rather than later. I I really think the sooner that we can put this one to bed, uh, the better it's going to be for the playoffs. Uh, and uh, uh, I understand not doing it this weekend with it being the kickoff of the playoffs, uh, but I'm hoping that the next race uh, is a is a nice opportunity. But then you've got, you know, you've got next week is the uh, Truck Series uh, season finale, and then. <laughs> You've got four races uh, left for the Xfinity Series, so, uh, you know, who knows how soon it's going to be. But I I hope it's sooner rather than later. I'll just leave it at that. Jay? Well, and typically we do see it here uh, end of August, beginning of September, which we are getting into uh, September. Um, and, And this year obviously being a little different with the 2020 pandemic and everything else, so... Uh, like I said, I get the feeling they are really close, uh, just finalizing everything. You, you might be right. They might be trying to pick a spot where they're not overshadowing the start of anybody's series playoffs uh, beginning or, or wrapping up. So uh, timing is a big thing. But I would think that you don't want to go too far towards the end of the year um, with it. But, again, they might be doing things behind all, behind the scenes already to make it happen, whether or not they officially announce it and they and if that's the case, eventually I'm sure we'll start seeing more and more of that of, you know, if we see Richard Petty uh, over at a Toyota Toyota place over at Joe Gibbs Racing or buying a new building 
even though it's not officially announced. I think those are things that will kind of more lead to it if they haven't announced it, you know, that they might be holding off on the announcement. But I think, like I said, I think it's pretty much close to being a done deal, uh, just waiting for that timing of when to announce it. Yes, indeed. Okay, uh, Andy. Yeah, this one, this is rumor, so obviously nothing substantiated here, but had heard this week and some comments from uh, team owner Rick Hendrick that they seem to know what's going on with the 48 car, but just not ready to announce it yet. Okay. Uh, Jay, your thoughts about that? I will not be driving the number 48 for Rick Hendrick Motorsports next year. (laughs) I'll start there. Um, (laughs) Let me start with that. Uh, This is one, and, and we'll have to wait and see who the driver is. Because I kind of felt like they they had a plan even from when Jimmy Johnson first announced his retirement. However, I thought that plan was Brad Keselowski, so obviously that wasn't it. Um, But again, I do think it is one of those. The fact that they're saying that now kind of puts me on the edge of uh, of Eric Jones, being that he had recently become available. Uh, We know it's not going to be Noah Gregson moving up. We, We heard from that earlier, which... Again, think was probably a wise decision as much as I like him as a driver, uh, just not the right timing and right fit. So uh, I'd, I kind of leaning towards now maybe uh, it being Eric Jones, being that they're saying they're, they're comfortable with where they're at now all of a sudden, because that's really the first word we've heard out of the camp about it. You know, everybody's talked about it and everybody's speculated, but we really hadn't heard much out of the Hendrick camp. Uh, the fact that it follows Eric Jones becoming available uh, as of recent, kind of puts me towards that. But, again, it could be a, a total surprise uh, out of nowhere that we haven't even thought about or talked about, so with the exception of it being me. <laughs> okay, that leaves Mike, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I I, uh, I find it curious that they've already made the decision. They're just not ready to announce it, and I've been trying to think about what would be the reasons for not wanting to announce it yet and i think um it it kind of opens the door for a couple of other possibilities i think as well uh and some of those maybe being playoff contenders uh i know one of the one of the people that they uh talked about not even close to a playoff contender is Corey lajoy uh and he's recently become available so it seems like if it was him that they would be in a position to announce it and then kind of put it to bed. But the fact that they're not announcing it yet uh, gives me reason to believe that maybe it's somebody who is currently in the playoffs and uh, they're not ready for that domino to fall just yet uh, to make the announcement. So uh, it kind of leaves my mind uh, kind of going a little crazy with trying to figure out who that might be. <laughs> but um, um, it's curious to me that they're not ready to announce it. Uh, so, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts about that. Yeah, I would agree. It's a head-scratcher um, to to think that they're, you know, and maybe, maybe not looking too deep into it. Maybe the team wants to focus on the three drivers that are in the playoffs right now, but – um, you know, I'm not sure this is where it gets interesting because I'm not sure that them announcing a new driver for the 48 car would really 
affect the other three teams that much. You know, I mean, they're focused on their own deal and they're focused on the playoffs. So, you know, I'm, you know, if it's an existing driver, I'm having a hard time figuring out who that is, unless there's some big, big thing we just don't know. Well, actually I just thought of someone that it could be, but uh, it's just hard to say. Um, I I really don't have any idea. Throw it throw it out there, Andy. Throw it out there. Well, this one would make Mike really happy, but um, the only one that really yeah, that's the only one I thought of too. The only one that really makes any sense to me is Matt DiBenedetto, and that move would make a lot of sense. And I know he wants to remain in that car, the twenty one car at Wood Brothers. But you know they're trying to bring Cindric up, and you know I I'd have to think that instead of expanding to four full-time teams at Team Penske, you could see them maybe make a change at the 21 car, which is heavily influenced by Penske, and maybe put Cindric in that car, and then maybe you see Matty D go to the 48. So it's the only thing that makes any sense to me. Other than that, I'm having a hard time seeing anybody else uh, go to that 48 car. So And, and it, it appears that they are going to have four full-time teams next year, at least from what I'm hearing. So um, but it's hard to it's hard to speculate. It really is. It's because it's been you know the the two the two names that were heavily rumored the most. So actually three names really. Um, you know, two have been ruled out in Kozlowski and Gregson, and uh, you know, Eric Jones is the ne- is the next big logical you know name to to maybe get in that car. But he's not in the playoffs, so there's really no distractions for that being announced. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um, you know, it seems like that's a that's a big one that everyone's been talking about, and we still don't know here in September. So, um, I guess that's another another one we'll be following and, and hoping we find out soon. Jay. Well, and your, your scenario there of, of holding off if it does happen to be uh, Matt DiBenedetto, being that he did make the playoffs, uh, certainly makes sense as far as then the the timing of it to hold off on that. Uh, rather interesting. I, as you guys were talking there, the other one that came to my mind, and it's kind of outlandish, I mean, we've talked about it, but it didn't seem to be even a possibility, but would be the possibility of Jimmy Johnson staying on one more year. Uh, now, he was just recently eliminated from the playoffs or didn't make it in as William Byron did. Uh, that's the only other scenario that, uh, that I can see where they're now willing to, to lock it down but not announce it. And like Andy said, it might be they want to focus on their three drivers that did make it into the playoffs. The uh, the one thing I find really curious is, uh, like he mentioned, early in the year, we a lot of people, uh, us here at Fan for Racing, really did uh, feel it was Brad Keselowski coming over. Um, there was the question of Corey LaJoy. We never really heard a whole lot of anything out of the Hendrick camp. You know, this is the first we've even mm-hmm. heard of it, so... Uh, that really just uh, blows my mind as far as that. We, we haven't heard any kind of even secure rumors, if you will, or, you know, whatnot. So uh, kind of mind-boggling, and uh, we'll have to wait and see again. This is one, like Andy said, we're going to have to keep playing that game of, of the what-if, uh, see if anything surfaces between now and Thursday, Thursday afternoon when we do our show or in the next week or two um, to even give us any kind of inkling as to the direction that we got to look at anyway. Yeah, now I went back and listened to uh, the audio that was sent to me from the uh, Jim Rome show, 
and Jimmy Johnson was on there, and, and he asked him point blank, would he consider, uh, you know, racing for another year given the COVID-19 pandemic and, uh, you know, how it's uh, affected his last year in the NASCAR Cup Series. Jimmy Johnson sounded pretty secure in his decision in that interview, uh, and I do have it posted at FanFaracing.com if anybody wants to search it uh, to hear what he had to say at that point. But things can change. But, again, with Jimmy Johnson not being in the playoffs, um, your scenario, Jay, makes sense. But in some sense, but in another sense, with Jimmy Johnson not really being in the playoffs, in a way it doesn't make sense why they would wait to make that announcement if it was him. The only thing that really makes a lot of sense to me is the Matt DiBenedetto scenario. And I was hesitating to say it, uh, but since Andy brought it up, um, I, I do think that that makes a lot of sense when you think about it. It does open the door for uh, Austin Cindric should he want to move up. But then again, Austin Cindric may be in that same scenario as as uh, Noah Gregson in wanting to wait another year before he moves up when the new car comes into NASCAR. But then maybe it doesn't matter to Austin Cindric. Maybe he's willing to go through that, uh, you know, one year with the current situation and then, you know, challenge uh, the new car when it comes out uh, the following year. So different people look at things different ways. So who knows? But, yeah, that Matt Benedetto situation uh, seems to be the only one that really makes a lot of sense unless there's somebody who's totally off of all of our radars uh, that we haven't even thought about. Um, the other thing with uh, Jimmy Johnson staying certainly isn't out of the realm of possibility, but I just see it as less likely uh, given the comments that he made on that Jim Rome show. So, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts and final comments. Yeah, I'd love to see Johnson stay another year, if anything, just to interact with the fans for his retirement tour, which as a seven-time champion, he's beyond earned that right to do that. But at the same time, I do think he's at peace with what he's accomplished and going out on his own terms. And, um, you know, it's not like we're never going to see him again. We're just not going to see him full time. Mm -hmm. I think he still plans on racing quite a bit next year. So we probably will see Jimmy Johnson at the racetrack. So um, I I do think that as as much as we all may want him to to be in that car full time next year, I do believe that um, we're going to see somebody else drive that car next year. So um, I'm just scratching my head as, as to who there's no, you know, nothing really jumping out at me that's really obvious and I, I've got this sneaky feeling that it's going to be an out of left field announcement that's going to probably have us all pretty shocked I don't know why I think that but I just think that so um, something to stay tuned and, and keep an eye on for sure yeah one thing that uh, did occur to me and and I don't know that this is a possibility when I think about what all of these drivers have gone through to be in the number of car numbers that they're currently in is the possibility of of one of the existing drivers at Hendrick Motorsports moving to the number 48. And, uh, uh, you know, I suppose that is a possibility uh, that just occurred to me. And the one that seems most likely to do that might be uh, Alex Bowman. I don't think Byron would move from the 24 in the sponsorships that he has there. I don't see uh, Chase Elliott making that move into the 48 
with the sponsorships that he has on board. Um, and it's probably the same true probably with Alex Bowman. So I don't know how much of a possibility that is, uh, but it's a thought that just crossed my mind that I thought I'd throw out there. Any thoughts on that, guys? Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I had another one on my own, but you, when you bring that one up, that one had been talked about, and I, I'm trying to think, if I remember correctly, it was, and he hadn't won yet with the number 24, that it might be William Byron moving over to the 48, putting Chad Canals back with the 48, because I remember seeing a little ah. bit of a, a little bit of talk about that. Um, so, I mean, that is a possibility, but that does still leave an open seat. Uh, no matter what car number you put it to, if they're going to have four four teams, there's going to be uh, an open seat wherever it be. Mm-hmm. Uh, being that you were talking about something coming out of left field, and I know it's on jsky.com here, I'll go ahead and read this and throw this name out there. It says, after seeing longtime teammate Matt Kenseth get back in the saddle for full-time racing at NASCAR's highest level, could a 50-year-old Greg Biffle be the next to find the fountain of youth? He said he'd be <laughs> open to it should a competitive team come knocking in the quote, it talks about the 22 car again, theoretically being driven by team Penske's Joey Logano, who signed through 2023. He said, that'd be a very quick decision as there's a handful handful that you could pick from as far as very competitive. And then he says, yes, in the right situation, I would come back and race a potentially a full season. And it doesn't say, full seasons it says a full season so it would be a one-year deal so Noah Gregson's not ready to come up Greg Biffle could be your one time one year full time interesting Andy any thoughts about that yeah this is going to be my follow-up to the follow-up because this is a this is quite the topic but um you know what what makes a lot of sense and and it is a head scratcher for me but you know there's two scenarios that I can see playing out. And one is, and maybe why they're not announcing it, is because one of their existing drivers, and really the only one that makes sense is, is Bowman shifting to the 48 car, them not announcing it because they don't want to distract what they've got going on right now. That makes that does make some sense. But the other one is maybe they do bring in a veteran for a one-year deal in order to get Gregson or some other young talent groomed to take the car possibly in time for the next gen car in 2022 another scenario to consider for sure those are the only two that really make any sense to me um you know so we could be on to something maybe this is the late breaking news here at fan for racing you never know (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know i was just thinking we kind of talked ourselves around the circle here uh into all kinds of possibilities (laughs) Uh, for what what could be going on with that, and you're right. I think we might have hit on something there uh, with the possibility of a veteran coming into that seat for a one year off. And you know, I wouldn't uh, rule Matt Kenseth out of that picture either uh, for the 48 car uh, or Greg Biffle uh, as one of the veterans to come back. And what about this guy's? What about Kyle Larson? Uh, he's been looking for a seat. And he could do a one-off in that seat, uh, and and you know maybe maybe he's the guy that could be coming into that seat. So Jay, I I still and, and and we hadn't even gotten to the Larson deal. I know that one is still out there floating around. 
especially, again, based off of what he is doing. Uh, I don't remember if I got to mention it. His second start in a late model that he beat 55 of the top late model drivers in the world in just his second start in a late model. Uh, And that was uh, the quote that went along with it was something to the effect of that just shows his talent. And he does want to. He has reapplied for his NASCAR reinstatement. Uh, I haven't heard an update on that or whether or not it was approved. But, again, we've kind of linked them to uh, him to Stuart Haas Racing. The only reason I – there's a couple reasons I don't see it happening at Hendrick Motorsports. And if it were, I don't think it would be a one-year deal. Um, but right. the thing I look at the thing I look at there is Chevrolet was the first one when it came to it with, uh, the deal with Chip Ganassi that said we're yeah. done with him. So you still have the Chevrolet tie. The second thing is, is Hendrick, although has allowed it at times, is not a big fan of the drivers doing outside activities such as racing sprint cars. They went through that with Casey Kane. Uh, again, you know, Joe Gibbs is another one that uh, Kyle Busch runs some outside stuff. Christopher Bell does some, but they're not big fans of it. Certainly not to the degree that Stuart Haas Racing would be or like Chip Ganassi was. So, that's where I don't think uh, Larson really fits in at Hendrick Motorsports. All good points. Uh, any additional thoughts, Andy, as we continue to follow up around the horn here? No, I don't. Uh, I think I'm pretty good on that one. But, yeah, it's definitely one of the many intriguing storylines during the thick of chili season for sure. Okay. Uh, okay, so now I've totally lost track of whose turn it is for Hot Topic. That would be good. Hot... I was going to say, I don't, I don't even know what, what started that. I was going to say, I don't even know what started that one, let alone who asked. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> no would be feeling. like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I think I'd... And it kind of evolved into all kinds of conversations. Okay, Jay, do you have another one? Well, I do. Uh, we, we have mentioned several drivers uh, with one possibility being Austin Cindric as far as moving up, but with the delay of the, the next-gen car, we, we've heard from Noah Gregson uh, not moving up with um, Chase Briscoe. It might be a matter of a seat not available, but when we talk about that, what does that look like for the Rookie of the Year next year? Are we going to see any of these drivers uh, come in and take that step, being that they would have to go back-to-back years of learning a new car, if you will. That's yeah, a very intriguing question, uh, Jay. Uh, Andy, what are your thoughts? I'm increasingly beginning to think that we will not have um, a strong rookie class next year. You may see a rookie or two driver, you know, come into the series, but we're not going to see the likes of a Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, or Christopher Bell, as we've seen here in 2020. Um, it's becoming, you know, certainly in the last few weeks in, in terms of what has been said, um, you know, by various team owners and people in the sport, I, I'm of the belief that a lot of these kids are, are probably going to spend that extra year in the Xfinity series. The only one confirmed to do just that is Noah Gregson, but, um, you know, reading reading between the lines of what, what Greg Zipidelli said, it sounds like they want and, and plan to have Chase back in the Xfinity Series next year, even though that has not been made official. And, you know, I think the same could be said for Austin Sindrick, too. Um, even though those guys are doing a great job and winning a lot of races this year and probably will contend for that championship, 
you know, I'm I'm not sure I see the sense in in you know learning next year's cut package just to relearn it again in the following year. Even though you know it might make sense to try to learn the Cup Series and maybe learn how to race longer distances and race around you know the the Cup Series drivers, you know those are the only two positives I see. But ultimately, um, you know I I can see it making a lot of sense to maybe just wait that extra year, get some more you know experience in the cut in the Xfinity Series, and then go out there and race hard to win races and contend for Rookie of the Year a couple of years later. So, you know, I can totally see why some of these guys may wait that, that extra year more than we thought they would. Yeah, I, I totally agree with everything that Andy said. Uh, I think that uh, it makes sense for them to stay in the Xfinity series and not deal with uh, two adjustments coming into the cup series over two years. So I can't say it much better than Andy did, so I'll just let that stand on its own. Jay, what what are your thoughts? Well, I see one, uh, a good thing and a bad thing happening here. If one uh, one or more, and when I say one, we look at the three that right now we'd have to list look at in the Xfinity series of possibilities, um, ride availability, and, and everything else. But Austin Sindrick, Chase Briscoe and Noah Gregson. Now, we know Noah Gregson's not, doesn't sound like Chase Briscoe is. So if Austin Sindrick were to come up next year, uh, if that were to happen in that scenario, Rookie of the Year as the only one. Now, as a fan, you're kind of selfish. You want to see a pack of three come up and not have it held against Austin Sindrick while he was Rookie of the Year because he was the only one that was there or top name, top team that was there. But on the other hand, when we look at, say, the three or four that have come up this year, one of them is going to win it, and it's going to be Cole Custer, actually, because he's the only one that made the playoffs. And I know we had this as a separate discussion of of truly win aside who had the better year. You look at Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, um, the winner being Cole Custer, do the other two get buried as far as not having good years, which they have. So I kind of see both sides to that. If you only have one, yeah, they get it by default, if you will. But also then when you have three or four come up, two or three may have had good years. It's just one got the honor. So uh, I don't know. I I don't know what I'd rather see as far as maybe even not having a top rookie of the year next year and waiting for 2021 or 2022, sorry, and having the three of them move up together, kind of like we saw this year. But you certainly don't want to hold back again if this scenario plays out and Austin Sindrick is the one that has the opportunity to move up due to the seat availability and the other two don't. Um, you know, certainly wouldn't want to hold him up either. Okay, Andy, follow up. Uh, I do not have any at this time. Yeah, I don't really have any follow up either, except to say you brought up some interesting points, Jay. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what does indeed happen. Uh, We're at that time of the show, though, uh, where we'll do the roundtable sign-off here. And, uh, Jay, we'll start with you. All right. You can follow me on MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Michael Hoosman on Facebook. And if uh, you have been already, uh, you saw this week, got to work uh, Murray County Fair in Tennessee, had an absolute blast with that jump and run, as well as some go-karts and ATV, UTV drag racing. 
Saturday, I'll be headed back down to Jackson Motor Speedway. And Mike's not here to chime in, but it is your Capital City Raceway. And it'll be with the Lucas Oil Comp Cam Super Late Models. Uh, if you're into that, big name David Brazil going to be driving a special car. So I am super excited about that. And then we'll look forward to uh, Tuesday's show for the pre- uh, review. Again, I think uh, I'll be coming in uh, helping out there as Sal needs needs that night off. And then Thursday afternoon doing the preview show. Okay, Andy. Yeah, breaking news here on transfer racing. I um I changed my Twitter name so you can follow me at um SHR fourteen and ninety eight fan, just a little bit of a change there. Um and I would encourage the listeners to follow me because all I seem to get followed by is robot or scam accounts. So if uh <laughs> yeah, if there's any if there's any real race fans out there, feel free to, to hit the follow button for sure. Um, I'm looking forward to this weekend. I love Darlington. I love Throwback Weekend. It's always one of my highlights every year. I will be available on the chat for every single race, all three races this weekend. So really looking forward to that. We'll unfortunately miss um, the Tuesday show, but we'll for sure be on Thursday next week. So I'll be back then and hope everyone has a great Labor Day weekend. Okay. I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter. Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforacing.com. And uh, be on the lookout. Uh, several of our writers are going to be featuring uh, some of the round of 16 drivers. Uh, I hope to get those articles in sometime during this first round in case any of them are eliminated. I'd like to get the writing about them in uh, before that happens. Um, and uh, just to kind of go over that, I believe we have uh, Andy, you're taking Clint Boyer. Uh, Jay, or, uh, Mike is taking Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, Owen has said he'll, t- he'll write about Eric Amarola. Sal's going to write about Cole Custer. I'm writing about Martin Truex Jr. And uh, we we're still waiting to hear from some of the other fellows here at Banff Racing uh, in the fan racing crew, and as soon as we know that, we'll let you know. Uh, also, Owen started uh, something new. I brought up uh, earlier that he is doing, uh, he has done his predictions uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. That's already posted at fanbracing.com. But he also has a new thing coming out uh, that has to do with uh, uh, the the cash or pass drivers and the betting odds uh, throughout the playoffs and uh, I hope to get his first article on that uh, coming out uh, sometime tomorrow uh, so that uh, if you guys are look for, looking for fantasy picks uh, Owen's going to have uh, I think some information there as far as betting odds on uh, some of the drivers in the round of 16 so uh, watch for that again coming out sometime tomorrow, as well as all of the articles uh, that we mentioned about those drivers. Uh, so a lot to look forward to at Bamper Racing. I know Sam will have the recap uh, from the Cup Series uh, coming out to when that race is run. And uh, a big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate each and every one of you. And a big thanks to our Bamper Racing crew. Uh, you guys are always great. I always have fun on our radio shows and uh, definitely looking forward to the next one coming out after the weekend of racing on Tuesday night starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 
along with our Thursday afternoon show uh, that will be put out as a podcast next week. Okay, with that, guys, I think we're ready to Sharon? say goodnight. Yeah, Jay. Sharon, I know that was all uh, popping off there while I was eating prior to the show, and uh, being that Mike left it alone, I'll go ahead and uh, you put me down. I'll do an article on uh, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott, okay. So I've got you down for Chase Elliott. Uh, and uh, I will put that out there so that everybody knows that he is taken. Uh, so Jay is taking Chase Elliott. So watch for that article to come out. Uh, again, sometime here shortly, all from our Fan for Racing crew featuring uh, several of the round of 16 drivers. Thanks, Jay. All right, no problem. Thank you. All right. Uh, uh, anything else? <laughs> Mike says, oh, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I said he left it. I was kind of surprised. I know he's a Matt D fan, and obviously Matt, Matt Benedetto needs to get some coverage again, depending on what rumors happen to come true here following the playoffs or everything else. So we'll have to see how that goes. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we'll probably have a second round when we go to the round of eight. So uh, whoever's left in the round of eight will probably do this once again, and so on and so on. So, uh, uh, again, uh, thanks, you guys, for all that you do. We appreciate all of you, and uh, we'll say good night. It's a wrap. Good night. Good night. Good night, guys. <laughs>